Okay, people, we finally got a plan to prevent World War III. We're going to go back in time and save the summit with all the major political leaders. It was awful. What happened to them? Someone trapped them in the conference hall and played the Macarena over and over for three days with nothing but stale saltines to eat. Anything that prevents all our leaders from going insane has to improve our future. Fortunately, we have a time machine filled with different music to keep them from going too crazy. Now, all we have to do is change things for the better. Let's see here. Wait, uh, the Earth is about to burn up because someone accelerated the sun's transformation into a red giant. What happened? Uh-oh. Whose idea was it to have the world leaders hear nothing but Alvin and the Chipmunks tunes for three days? Your backlog, The Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the RPG Backtrack, its continuing mission to explore games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear, to seek out forgotten games and neglected classics, to boldly discuss what you have not played before. RPG Backtrack, the longest-running podcast about your favorite RPGs of the past. Get ready for in-depth discussion of plots, characters, gameplay, and more from the staff of RPGamer.com. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Bill Willis and Mike Minky. And uh, this is RPG Backtrack. We are up to number 216. The name of this show is Time After Time. I am a co-host, Phil Willis. Other co-host, my Miki, has gone back in time, so he's busy right now changing the past. I uh, don't know if he's going to be able to work back to the present to make it tonight, but I do have two lovely individuals to help me out. First up, we have Miss Cassandra Rummels. Hello, everybody. How goes things? Good. Very good. Yeah, Miss Really Guyen. I feel revitalized, but I'm still hungry. Uh, is your stomach going back to the past and discovering uh, I, that it's still empty? I, I wish it would go back to the past when I didn't have a stomach ache, but I guess that's what I get for having barbecue. Oh, barbecue. Yeah, yeah. Yummy. <laughs> yummy. Yeah. Yummy barbecue. Back and rough. Hey, <laughs> uh, well, you know what isn't rough are Chrono, Chrono Game. We're talking about two of them tonight. We're talking about Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. So uh, that's a lot of that's a lot of Chrono because even though it's two games, they can be pretty deep from what I understand. Yeah, um, one of them is simple, one of them not so much. <laughs> Still a good game, but a little dense. Hmm. We've also got a blast for the recent pass, and of course our normal final lap. So uh, we won't make you do any time warps. Instead, we're just gonna give you some music to listen to while we get ready for our main event right after this. 
Factor. This is the main event where we take a game or a series of games. We travel back in time, play them, and come back to the present and tell you everything we found. Chrono Trigger was developed and published by Square. This was released originally on the Super Nintendo way back on March 11th, 1995. A single-player RPG experience could be multiplayer if you get creative with the uh, with the second controller or something. But um, I think I don't know. It says multiplayer on here, but I just never. It's you know, just maybe. It's, yeah. It might be Square experimented with a lot of multiplayer RPGs back in that back in that time period. Yeah, I know it's like on Final Fantasy VI, you, you had the option of like putting certain characters in the second or using it as a device or something. Uh, anywho, Chrono, Chrono Trigger. Oh my gosh, talk talk about a talk about a classic. Talk about a game that that when I was broke and making a minimum wage, I found a way to pay to to cough up the full price for this game, which very similar to Final Fantasy VI was not a cheap date. Uh, especially back in those days, uh, it's such a such a such a pretty pretty was um, certain is certainly a contender for my favorite SNES game of all time. Um, the it and Final Fantasy six are constantly fighting for my affections. This was also re-released later on on the PlayStation, the Nintendo DS, uh, Apple, Android, Windows, Apple TV. Because why the hell not? Uh, so, so obviously a game that uh, that is beloved by me. Today. I think it was on the Wii Virtual Console, or was that only yeah. in maybe Europe and Japan? No, maybe no, it uh, it came it here. Okay, um, it did. When my husband, when my husband was still my boyfriend and had his Wii, I I bought it on his Wii uh, to play when I was at his apartment. <laughs> oh yeah, here it is, right here. Chrono Trigger has also been uh, ported to iMode mobile phones, the Virtual Console, the PlayStation Network, uh, which means you'd have to be able to play it on I don't know something. Some I I, I have to look up to see what systems that well, exactly is because well, that could be well, anything. We'll uh, get into some of those ports because some of them yeah. are much better than others. Why are you talking <laughs> about that PlayStation port? Was awesome. <laughs> uh, the DS one was actually how I played this game the first time. I did not have an SNES growing up, as I probably mentioned at least a few times. So a lot of these, you know, classic games I had to encounter later in life. I graduated from college by the time I actually played Chrono Trigger for the first time. I was a broke high school student, so I rented a lot of these SNES games and then bought them later on in my adult life when I actually had money to burn. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, so this was not a like a classic, ch- you know, childhood or teenage game for me. This was a oh hey, this is actually pretty neat as an adult looking be- looking at an older game. Mm-mm-mm. All right, so uh, who wants to talk about the story? Okay. <clears throat> Well, the game starts out, you're playing as Chrono, who is a red-haired kid um, with anime hair and a katana. um, I should mention that all of the character designs were designed by Akira Toriyama, who most people should know is the maker of Dragon Ball Z. And like Dragon Ball Z, each character kind of has that Toriyama style. Uh, Chrono looks like Goku. Uh, The bad guy Magus kind of looks like... uh, Vegeta, or not Vegeta, can't think of his name, oh, Frieza, you know, the typical Toriyama bad guy, and the girls look like Bulma, respectively. (laughs) Um, But Chrono is a red-haired kid, gets woken up by his mom, and is told that um, the millennial fair is starting. 
and that he's going to be late for it because the millennial fair only comes around once uh, once every thousand years and it's a thousand AD. So Chrono goes to the fair and is kind of wandering around and meets with a girl named Marl, um, runs into her and you, she, she drops a pendant and you, you have to like decide whether you're going to check on her and the pendant. And you have to watch your actions at this part of the game because it comes back to haunt you later, whether you were a good, person or a bad person but we'll get into that so marl decides to tag along when you go run around and do some things at the fair you go and um fight a robot named gato and that teaches you the battle system you can partake in some of the or you can bet on some of the races that are going on um there's some mini games you could play you can arm uh do a soda drinking contest you can do a bell what what are those things called a bell gong where you try to hit it as hard as you can I'm blanking on the name of that carnival attraction, but yeah, yeah, you know, it's just you, you hit that, yeah, you hit it with it. Like, I guess he kind of like runs into it in the actual game instead of like hitting with a hammer. But yeah, yeah, and you, you're doing all the, well, you're doing all this one because all of the stuff comes back later in some form, and two, uh, you can or- earn silver points to get some items, and if you take your time, you can really like get some pretty wicked items very early in the game, but. um Eventually, you find out that um, your best friend Luca is setting up a demonstration at the top, at the um, main square of the fair, along with her father. And you get to go, you know, see what the demonstration is. And they've invented a tele a teleportation device. And Chrono hops into it and teleports from one side of the screen to the other. And Marl is super excited and is like, "Hey, I want to try this out." And she tries it out. And the teleportation device reacts with her pendant, and instead of appearing on the other side of the square, she disappears. And everybody starts freaking out. Um, they have no idea what happened. Chrono picks up the pendant and decides to go after her. And you do, you end up in this uh, strange forest. And once you get out of the forest, you kind of start wandering around town. You go to your house, and there's somebody different living in your house. Um, there's a war going on, apparently, against this uh, dark wizard named Magus, and Queen Lean's missing. And finally, I, I can't remember how exactly you find this out, but you find out that you're in 600 AD, and you essentially went 400 years back in time. I think an and, NPC, I think, just brings up something like a thousand. It's six. It's the year 600. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of and, like that. And um, you find out that the queen was missing, but she returned. So you go to the castle to find this out. And it turns out that Marl was actually the queen. Well, not really. They just find her and think she's the queen. And then as soon as you find this out, she disappears. And then um, Luca followed you. And you explain what's going on, and Luca figures out that, well, because they found Marl's... Well, back up for a second. Um, you find out that Marl is actually the princess of... What's the name of that town? Uh, the, I should know this. The king, yeah, well, the, the king of the kingdom, she says. Yeah, of the kingdom. Nadia is her actual name, though she goes by Marl throughout the, re- the rest of the game. Yeah. So um, you find out that the they found... They found Marl. They think that she's the queen, and because they stopped looking for the actual queen, Marl basically got Marty McFly out of existence. <laughs> so, you, paradox. yeah. So you you vow to go find her. Um, you go to a church where there's some suspicious activity going on. You uh, find the secret passage, and you run into a 
giant talking frog with a sword named, and you know, just name him Frog. You can name the characters that you want, but his default name is Frog. Um, Luca kind of freaks out looking at him first, but then realizes, oh, you're not a bad-looking frog. And you go through a dungeon, you find Marl, you fight a boss, and um, queen, the queen gets rescued along with the ch- chancellor who was in the chest. And queen gets rescued, everything's happily ever after, so you go back to the present. You go back to the present, the chancellor and the king in the current time think that you kidnapped the princess. And Kono gets put on trial. And this is where all of the stuff that you did in the Millennial Fair basically comes back to bite you in the ass. Because if you went for the pendant first, then the chancellor thinks that you tried to go for her riches. If you, let's see, there's a thing where you can accidentally steal someone's lunch, and that comes back to haunt you. Um, there's a cat that you can rescue. Um, if you get, if you, if that comes back, then you, or if you bring the cat back to um, her, the cat's owner, then she'll kind of vouch on your behalf. Um, there's a couple of other things, but um, this trial actually kind of has real consequences because it depends on whether or not you're going to get executed or you're just going to get thrown in jail and executed anyway, because the chancellor's kind of got it out for you no matter what. Um, um, eventually Chrono breaks, or no, I'm sorry, Luca breaks Chrono out of jail. Um, Marl tags along with you because she hates being a princess and hates how her father's kind of keeping her down. You have this excellent escape sequence through the jail and through the, um, forest and you end up at another time gate because, and something that I forgot to mention is that, um, Luca kind of took her, um, Marl's pendant and made a key out of it so that they could activate time gates. So they go through the time gate trying to escape and find out that they're just in this barren wasteland. I mean, it is brown, it is windy, it is just disgusting. Um, You realize that you're in the uh, future and it's a bad future. And you kind of you end up going through a lab and finding out that it's a bad future. And finding a computer and find out that um, the world got destroyed in the year 1999 because of a huge beast called Lavos. And they show the cutscene of what happened. Um, Marl's like, well, we can go back in time and fix this, right? And kind of decides for everyone that we're going to fix this. <clears throat> Hang on, I need a drink. Um, you go, and you go through another couple of labs, um, kind of like run down, beat up labs. And you eventually end up in one where you meet a broken down robot named Robo, and Robo decides that he's going to help you. When uh, you eventually find a time gate in the future, and when you go through the time gate, that's when you end up at the spot called the end of time. Um, it's basically kind of a big void of nothingness with what looks like a street corner, and there's a guy there named Balthazar. And he he basically tells you that um, time gates are weird, and you can only bring three people through a time gate at a time, and that's how you get your arbitrary party limit. Um, you go through another time gate where you end up back in the present, but in the what is it, the Mystic Village? 
Well, yeah, these uh, Medina, they call them fiends, at least in the DS version. The monsters, basically, it's a monster village. Yeah, you end up in a monster village. They're loyal to Lavos. uh, No, they're loyal to Magus. And they mention that Magus is trying to um, use Lavos to bring about the end of the humans. Well, he had, because that was, it's at the year 1000, so he had presumably died a long time ago, though, who knows, with later events. But they're hoping to, like, he could, if they could somehow summon Lavos, they could take care of the humans. And yeah. somehow they thought that Magnus created Lavos. Yeah, that, that comes up. That that comes up when you actually fight Magus, but we'll get to that. So the party kind of decides that well, maybe defeating Magus will help us defeat, will help stop the end of time because they incorrectly assume that Magus made problems. So you go to sixteen or the six hundred A.D. Um, you meet with Glenn again. You find out that Glenn used the legendary sword Ma- Masamune to defeat Magus for reasons. Um, in the Japanese version, I think it was Excalibur, which is why Masamune looks like a huge broadsword and not yes, a katana. katana yeah. yeah, but um, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here. You find two. You find one half of Masamune, and it's the sword. And you go to Frog's hideout, and he has the other half, which is the hilt, and you need to repair it. Well, you, there was a. It was made with an object or a thing called Dreamstone, a stone called Dreamstone that is no longer around. So they conclude that, well, maybe we can go to a time when it was around. And that's when you end up in 65 million BC. Um, you meet with a lady named Ayla there who is a cave woman who is very strong and kind of has a thing for Chrono, makes the other girls jealous. Um, she's also an absolute unit and is like one of the best fighters in the whole game and my favorite character in the game. Doesn't even need to equip any weapons, just punches. Nope, yep. As as she levels up, um, her fists turn from like, I think like iron fist to gold fist or something like that. Um, but she, she's amazing. I love her. Um, backing up the train just a little bit, when you go to the end of time, that's where you weren't learn magic and each character has an affinity to certain magic so um marls is water lucas is fire chronos is lightning um glenn i'm sorry i'm sorry getting ahead of myself frogs is water and ayla doesn't learn any magic because she was in a time before she was alive in a time before magic and robo doesn't learn any magic because he's a robot though they said that his magic is more shadow based yeah, so, his lasers oddly. Like, but yeah. you think that'd be light, but I guess whatever. Yeah, don't think about it too hard. It's a robot with lasers. Video anyway. game logic. <laughs> so, um, back, back in BC, um, Ayla's companion Kino steals the time key and makes Ayla upset. And then later on, the time key gets steal, uh, stolen by um, creatures called the reptites which are basically lizard people and dinosaur people and they're led by a female uh reptite named azalea um you go and defeat her you get the time key back you end up getting some dreamstone and you go back to the present oh but not before seeing law La- is that oh did that happen later when lavos fell yeah yeah, that oh, happened okay. a little bit a little bit later. Should have remembered so, that. <laughs> so you go back to the present. You go through Magus's castle. It's at this point you're kind of thinking it's the final dungeon because at this point it's one of the harder dungeons in the game, complete with uh, three mooks named Ozzy, Flea, and Slash. 
um, named after Ozzy Osbourne, Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Slash from Guns N' Roses. Yeah, if I remember correctly, they were named, I forget what, but they were named after food in the Japanese version, and I guess it's just not as fun. So yeah. Turn English. Yeah, and I, I'm bringing this up because this is going to come back up in Chrono Cross later in an interesting way. But um, you f- defeat those three bosses, you finally make it to Magus, you have a very epic fight with Magus with one of the best pieces of music in the game um you beat him he starts freaking out he's like oh no not now not now and he's like what didn't you create a lavos and he's like no you idiots i just summoned him um lavos wakes up basically sends you into the future um in kind of a time ripple you have no idea where magus ended up and you kind you kind of realize oh well we didn't know that, that about that we just um we thought that Magus created Lavos. Oops. So you're in the future. You figure out a way to go back. Um, I can't remember where you end up at that point. Was that where you end up in 12,000 BC? Uh, in antiquity. Uh, drag. Like, I just played through this, too. So I yeah. should have remembered. So, um, my, my memory is kind of hazy on this. You end up in 12,000 BC, which is the Kingdom of Zeal. Um, there's an ice age happening at this point. And there are groundlings with people that have no magical ability at all. And then there are, um, I guess... The enlightened ones. Yeah, the the enlightened ones that live in the sky, live in a beautiful um, town in the sky. Um, There's Queen Zeal, who has has this invention. Um, They are basically channeling the power of Lavos. Okay, yeah, to backtrack a bit, you actually did go to 65 million years BC to see a meteor fall from the sky, but... Presumably, wasn't exactly the meteor that wiped out the dinosaurs. It was Lavos, because it's actually a space parasite. A yeah. massive and an extremely powerful space parasite. Yeah, I honestly can't remember what happens first, because when you're in Zeal, um, you see Queen Zeal. She's kind of a bitch. Um, she has um, a daughter named Shala and a kid and a son named Janice. Janice is kind of a little brat, but he. Um, I don't know how to put it. He he's kind of a brat, but the only person he really likes is his sister and his cat. And Shala is kind of an, a nice person and helps you out. And there's this mysterious prophet around Queen Zeal that, as soon as he sees you, says these people are heretics and they're trying to bring about destruction of Zeal. So they take you to a time gate. They cast you out of time, and then you end up. Uh, they seal the time gate. And I think at that point, you end up back in 65,000 BC. Um, you have the final fight with the Reptites at that point, and that's when Lavos comes crashing through the sky. And Ayla was the one that named Lavos because I think it was like La, Big, and Vos, yeah, Fire. It's the other way around, apparently. Oh, La right. meaning fire, Vos being, which is, when you think about it, it's kind of weird. I'm pretty sure we don't have any words that are, like, a million years old that would survive that long and still name it. But I guess maybe time travel interferes with that. Yeah. So, um, you figure out a way to get back to 12,000. And at this point, um, Queen Zeal has made the Ocean Palace to basically get closer to Lava so that they can drain more magic. And become uh, immortal. Yeah, and become immortal. Um, you go through a pretty neat dungeon that also has some bitchin' music. Um, you get to the end of that dungeon. 
um, Lavos is awakened, and Chrono basically sacrifices himself to save the rest of the party. And also, at this point, you find out that the prophet that said that you were evil was actually Magus because he got shot back to that time when um, he woke he woke Lavos in the year six hundred. Um, so pretty much everything gets in Zeal gets wrecked at that point. Um, the fo- the floating city crashes and they're back down with the groundlings. Um, Janice is nowhere to be found. And I can't remember at which point you find this out, but it turned out that in that time, Janice was actually shot forward in time to 600 AD and is Magus. And um, after Chrono dies and everybody kind of figures out wh- what's going on, you can actually meet Magus at this one point. Um in 12, or 12 million BC, and you can decide whether or not he's going to join you or fight you, or he's going to join you or you can kill him. Um, it kind of behooves you to let him join you because he's a damn good magic user, um, probably the best magic user in the game. Um, and the the re- I think really the only clue we get that Janus is actually or Magus is actually Janus is when you when you're down with the refugees from Zeal you see Janus's cat and Janus's cat immediately starts following Magus. No, I mean I don't know. Maybe this was added for the DS version, but when they did when they do allow when when they do agree to not fight um to not fight Magus, uh, Mar- someone at party, it was like Marmite version, like said that, you know, you were Janice, weren't you? And he says yes, and explained how he wanted to try to summon Lavo so he could, you know, to get his revenge on him, and but of course uh, that didn't work out, even if he does manage to summon him. Yeah, I, I don't know if that was exclusive to the DS version or not. It could have mm-hmm. been in the SNES version. It's been, a, it's been a hot minute since I've played it, but I like the little touch that if Magus is in yeah. the party um, and Gen starts following him. You know, just a, just a cute little touch. Mm-hmm. So at this point, your friends kind of decide that we need to bring Chrono back. So you have to go get a Chrono doll from the Millennial Fair as kind of a substitute. And then you go to the end of time um, to talk to Belvazar to figure out how to get Chrono back. And he mentions that he had a, uh assistant in the future that could help with this. Yeah. He was one of, oh. he's the uh, guru of time, because in yeah. uh, 12,000 BT and Antiquity, there were three the guru of time, life, and um, something else I can't remember right now. Yeah, it was Belfazar, Gasper, and. And Melchior, which I believe are the three wise men, according to uh, apocryphal Christian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's funny when that came, just a side note, when that came up in Evangelion, I was like, wait a minute, that's the three time gurus. And my husband <laughs> well, was like, that was biblical first. Like, yeah. Oh. Well, it's oh. technically not, the names aren't in the Bible, they're extra biblical, but yeah, you know, sidetracking. Yeah. Um, Gaspar, is he the one that, re- one Gaspar of them re- was the was the one possibly of knowledge? I think he was the one in the future, I believe. Okay. And Melchior was the guy who restored the Masamune, and of course, Belvisar is the time is the at the end of time. Yeah. Because he he downloaded his his mind into a a construct which looks like a new uh, one of the recurring monsters, so he could pass on his knowledge. He also gave you your time machine, which you can uh, yeah. which you can name anything, but the default is Epoch. 
Yeah. Um, also, I think at this point you get your time machine, but then it gets stolen by uh, Dalton, who was a mem- I think he was a member of Queen Zeal's army, and he had this huge yeah. air air base, and he steals the epoch and puts wings on it. Yes, yeah, so which is kind airship of- as well as a time machine. <laughs> yeah. So not only can you fly around, but you can also go back in time, which is actually a really neat freaking vehicle. And mm-hmm. um, I think one of the most fun parts of the game is running around in that vehicle. Um, <laughs> and I also hated that dungeon, by the way, the airship, because everybody's captured. They're all in separate cells. That dungeon is very confusing, uh, kind of a pain in the ass to deal with. And I, I hated it at the time. Speaking but, of um, pain in the ass, Mr. Apps has just joined the podcast. Wow, that's quite the introduction. I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> I needed some sort of segue in the middle of the Chrono Trigger story, and that was the best I could yeah. come up with on the fly. So, Chrono just died at this point, and you've got the no! and you're, you're trying to bring no! him back. <laughs> um, Chrono, no. Th- this, this was also pre-Final Fantasy VII, when the idea of permadeath in an RPG just seemed very unheard of. Um, it's kind of a shocking moment, realizing that, you know, Chrono died, but yeah. unlike, unlike a certain other game, he comes back. No, it was uh, also the he's also the main the main character at that yeah. point. So I imagine that's even that's that's rare even now. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think you get the time egg from Belfazar in the future, mm-hmm. or Belfazar's AI in the future, and then you go back into the past. You swap out using the time egg. You swap out Chrono with the doll, and then he comes back. Um, and kind of a heartfelt reunion, and then at this point, you can go do a bunch of side quests to kind of make your time easier to finish the game, or you can just go ahead and finish up the game. But it really behooves you to do a lot of the different side quests because it wraps up a lot of story bits and it gets you a lot of cool items. Mm-hmm. Um, my two favorite kind of side stories in this whole arc or this whole section of the game is um, the one where you be- you have to go uh, revitalize the forest and a thousand B or a thousand AD um, because uh, Robo stays behind to basically rebuild this forest and basically you, you walk out you get in the epoch you go back to or this is in 600 I'm sorry 600. Time is confusing. In 600, the forest is um, nothing but a desert. You go defeat some antlions. You leave Robo behind. You go back out to the Epoch, jump to the future, and the forest is fixed. And um, Robo is enshrined in uh, this like little shrine where the forest is. And you, you wake him up, and he's like, you know, this was kind of a quick jump for you, but it was 400 <laughs> long years for me. And it's like, oh... And it's really kind of a nice touch because it really kind of makes you feel the gravity of this time. And then after you do that side quest, you get to my next favorite one in the game where um, Luca's mom has been paralyzed. Yeah. And this one. Yeah. And she's been paralyzed for a while and Luca decides to go back in time to basically fix it. And you're really kind of got a time crunch to fix it because she gets her dress caught in some machinery and you have to input her name as the password to um, shut down the machine. Well, the password is actually the buttons on the controller. L-A-R-A, Laura. And if you don't do it right, basically she's going to be paralyzed for the rest of her life and she hates machines and hates that you both are, you and her dad are often venting all the time. 
Um, failing the, that side quest, I think, is the worst side quest um, failure condition I think I've ever uh, seen. I pretty yeah. sure I used to feel terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I I end up doing a save state at that point so that I know that I can achieve it. Though back in the day, I wasn't so lucky and I failed it and couldn't just go back as easily. But um, if you do if you do achieve it, then you go back into the future. She's um, on her feet. She loves machines. She is really happy for you guys, and it's a really feel good time. Um, do you guys have any particular favorite side quest? Uh, if I can try to, because yeah, th- I, I like those two as well. I'm trying to remember. Uh, I don't re- quite remember what happened with like uh, Robo side quest. I, I just know that the, like the last bag was called Mother Brain, and that's a name that pops up a few times in other video games. Yeah, <laughs> just like yep, another Mother Brain. I think he ends up finding a female robot and finds the other R1 series robots and gets the crap beat out of them. Yeah, I think it's because the machines wanted to wipe out the remaining humans for reasons I don't remember. Yeah. And then um, the female robot basically sacrifices herself to fix Robo and gives you a ribbon that gives him a boost to all of the stats. Um, pretty much all of the side quests kind of involve finality with the story with um, each character. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also the, the one where you go... Um, you have to pay a carpenter to fix up this castle that's uh, haunted, and it's haunted by the spirit of uh, the the knight that Frog was served under, and I'm blanking on his Cyrus. name. His name is yeah, Cyrus. Cyrus. Um, at that point, you find out that Frog's real name was Glenn, and he was he cursed by Magus? I was, yes. Uh, they were, yes, they were, yes, well, they were trying to fight Magus, he kills Cyrus, and then Ozzy, like, mentions, why don't you turn into a frog? That'd be kind of funny. So he does. Yeah. Um, there's also the uh, Sunstone side quest where you go to this one dungeon, you find a moonstone, you put it in a cave with a single light um, shaft of light to charge it for millions of years to turn it into a sunstone. And then you go back into the future, you find out that the sunstone has been stolen by this dude in this one village that's basically a money-grubbing jerk. So then you have to go back to, you have to go back to the past, give his mom some beef jerky and not charge him for it. And then his mom teaches him the essence of kindness. And you go into the future, you find out that the guy loves giving away his money and helping people, and then that's when the Sunstone is returned. And then you can use that to make a really nice gun for Luca. Just a very neat side quest just to get cool with it. Yeah. yeah, though I do remember that boss being a pain in the ass because it's a uh, it's like a sun with a bunch of mini suns, and you have to hit the correct one to do damage. Oh god, and, that fight! Yeah. Oh. I mean, if you put on uh, like you've put on like the uh, the special armor that absorbs fire, so that cheapens the fight. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I forgot to mention. Um, at one point, Marl charges up her pendant using the Mammon machine in Zeal, and you can use this pendant to open up all these sealed chests that have been lying around. Um, this entire game. And what's really neat about it is that if you open a chest but don't take the item in the past, you can go to the future and get a much better item. Yeah, um, I didn't know that the first time through, so I, but at least on a second playthrough that I'm some almost but not quite done with, I've been doing that. Yeah, and, and the real weird thing is that then you can go back to the past and still get the crappier item. <laughs> but it's all elemental-based armor that is so handy post-game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the rainbow shell... You go find that, and they put it in the um, castle in 600 AD, and you try to go claim it in 
um, 1000 AD and it, it got stolen and he got put on trial again for being accused of stealing it. Or no, the king gets put on trial for being accused of stealing it. And um, Marl jumps through the uh, stained glass window to basically save her father and you find out that the chancellor was the descendant of the chancellor that kidnapped the queen in 600 AD and you fight him you get the rainbow shell back and then you can take that to Melchior to get some pretty cool items too I mean including the rainbow sword which is Chrono's best sword and um some armor that's either a prism dress or three prism helmets. I always choose the prism helmet just because um, that way you can put them all on your people for the Lavos fight since Lavos has very, very high magic damage. Uh, and then, you know, you, you can do any of these side quests or you can basically go straight to Lavos. And mm -hmm. what I've done in games past is I've actually went through the um, Black Palace um, several times just to kind of get all the EXP so that I could get ni nice and leveled up. Um, or you can take them on, like, in the bucket at the end of time. Um, there's several different ways that you can beat them. Um, supposedly, it's even possible to beat them in that one fight when, when uh, Chrono dies, but we'll get to that in a second. So um, you basically have to be in New Game Plus to do that. Yeah, yeah. So y you beat Lavos... Um, Everything's all happy. Everybody goes back to their original time. Chrono, uh, or no, Luca cries at saying goodbye to Robo, and she also is upset because technically Robo shouldn't even exist at this point, since, you know, he was a robot built in the bad future. But I guess because he had such a strong connection to the past he lived. And then um, they make a new bell for the Millennial Square um, Chrono's mom gets stuck on it and you have to go find her again and you go get in the epoch and credits roll. Um, uh, I got the one where she chased the cat into a, t into a uh, gate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot about that one. It, it, it was... See, I can't remember now. There was one where she chased the cat into the gate and there was also one where um, one of them flew away on balloons. I'm sure there's ways to trigger that if I don't exactly remember how. I think I might have got an extra cat, but did, forgot to feed them throughout the game, so that might have been why it ran away. And I think. Yeah, my most recent playthrough, I got pretty much every cat I could, and then tried to make a point to feed them all the way through in the mini games. Uh, and that we, cat owner. <laughs> yeah, uh, and in the, the mini games, uh, there's a lot of different stuff you can do. Like you can get different um, character dolls that show up in their home in each of their times, which is kind of neat. Um, and then at the you, you beat the game, and then you this. I, I honestly think this was the first game that had this. You start a new game plus, which means that you carry over all of your levels, most of your items that aren't story important, um, what, uh, all of your money, and you can basically just kind of blow through the game at that mm. point. And what what uh, the best part about new game plus and what I loved was that depending on when you take on Lavos, um, different ends happen. And there's like 10 of them in the original SNES version, and I think like 12 of them in the um, remakes. Because for the PS1 remake, they um, they added a couple more. Yeah, and, and the then, DS adds, I think, one only, because that's where you get to take on an extra boss that better connects Chrono Trigger to the yeah. other game we're going to yeah, I think that was the only one that had that boss. And yeah. I, think, I think the um, iOS re-releases put that boss in. Yeah, I, think, yeah, I believe well. so, too. Should we talk about the... Ex like, the uh, like, there's not too many extra things the DS adds, but there's a couple. Um, 
Hey, as of the full motion cutscenes, and these were from the PS1 version, um, the UI is, I think, a lot better. It's a little bit cleaner. Uh, it puts all the um, character info on the bottom screen. I think it has a map on the bottom screen, too. Yes, it does. Quite useful. Um, kind of cleans up the dialogue a little bit, um, not too much, because I think this was a Ted Woosley affair. Um yeah, I, I really like the DS version. The DS version is a damn good version. It also adds on a uh, like the Lost Sanctum, which is an extended series of quests where you somehow stumble upon a group of reptites that had survived. I don't think quite into the modern era, but at least up to 600 AD. Uh, and if you, they're all fetch quests or like wipe out these monster quests. But if you do complete, you get a lot of great items and you get statues of the characters uh, set up in the Sanctum. Oh, cool. I think the only extra thing I did in the DS version was the um, special ending that connected it to Chrono Cross. Oh, yes. You can, I'm, I'm trying to get that. You can take on the uh, uh, the Dream Devourer. Yeah. Uh, which is a, which is Shala, who had merged partially with Lavos and um, is going to, and could eventually turn into the bad guy of, an, of Chrono Cross. Hey, spoilers for the next game. <laughs> I, um, mean, I had to bring it up. Um, but, um, all the endings are really kind of neat. Um, the hardest one to get is at the very beginning of the game where you t- can take on Lavos before you even go through that first time gate. And you're just facing off with Lavos with, um, Chrono and Marl. And if you get that ending, then that's basically the credits ending where you run around the, um, end of time and can talk to all the developers, including Sakaguchi and Toriyama. Who is this? This is basically their dream project. It, I um, think they were even called the dream team with all like yeah. the, all the uh, very important <laughs> developers was, and such that were contributed to the game. Wasn't Yuji Hori also involved? Uh, I, I'm trying. I had the list. Where did that list go? So we had yeah, Yuji Hori, yeah, Sakaguchi, Akira Toriyama, um, Nobuo Amatsu did some of the music. Uh, most of it was just um, you know, was uh, Matsuda. Yeah, it was Matsuda. Uh, but he, yeah, but he also did. So yeah, just a lot of uh, big names there. Uh, and did, was it uh, was it um, what's his name that did the story? Was I'm thinking of somebody else? I'm not uh, sure. What's his name? I should know his name. Uh, he, he wrote. I know he wrote Radical Dreamers, which I guess we can mention briefly. Yeah. Um, oh, Masato Kato, but I can't remember if he actually wrote the story for Chrono Trigger. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Ted Woosley shows up in the credits too, which is kind of neat. Um, um, that's neat. Did, the reason why we have all of our favorite lines from our favorite SNES RPGs. Um, <laughs> Damn spoony bards. Yeah. Um, that's the hardest ending to get. The rest of them just kind of... Stuff changes depending on when you take on Lavos. Like, if you take on Lavos before you beat the uh, Queen Azalea, um, you find out that the Reptites actually took over the world and Chrono gets waking up and he's a lizard person. Um one of the endings shows um, Marl or um, Queen Leem marrying Frog, and Marl kind of has a fit that she's actually related to Frog. Um, what else? Those those are the two that stick out in my mind. Um, there was also the one where the, the girls were all talking about how hot the male characters are, and then that's the only time that Chrono talks, and I can't even remember what he says. I'm gonna have to get these things, or at least yeah. watch a playthrough or something. Yeah, I mean, they're not that hard to get, especially if you have a walkthrough. But oh, yeah, if, you, I imagine. if and, you don't want to spend the if you don't want to spend the time, just watch them on YouTube. 
Yeah, a new game plus goes by quickly. I've only spent like 20 hours on this so far, and I'm, that's me doing side quests and stuff. Yeah, once you know what to do in the game, you can speed, I mean, you can finish it again in like a couple yeah. of hours. Yeah, the game is very breezy, and I think that's one of the best things about it. It, yeah, doesn't, I didn't... it doesn't overstay its welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I didn't realize until playing through it recently how uh, how short it was. Only yeah. like twenty yeah. hours. And yeah, actually yeah, looking it's... at my first playthrough, it was thirty. It's been thirty three, but that but probably with the, beating the boss, maybe up to thirty five. And it's weird for me to finish a game in under forty hours. Very weird. Mm-hmm. It was weird for me to go back to that and realize how short it was because I like obsessed over this game. <laughs> oh, I know. Back in the day, so it's like wow. <laughs> But, I mean, there's so much you can do in the game, and with the different endings and stuff, there's, you know, plenty of reasons to play it over, so... Uh, yeah. It um definitely has replay value. It definitely yeah. uh, holds up. Oh, yes. It's yeah, definitely there... it's a like lot the of... perfect encapsulation of everything we loved about uh, 16-bit RPGs, pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah, so there's a reason a lot of people with this game on a bit of a pedestal, and while I'm not in the it's the end-all, be-all of RPGs, I definitely agree it's a great game. Yeah. And such a great game that it's gotten its fair share of ports. Um, one of the first ones being uh, the fi- on the Final Fantasy Chronicles collection for the PS1, which um, arguably... Did Cassandra... Because I just say that this wasn't the best game of all time. I'm sorry, she's breaking up. We seem to be losing her connection. I, I don't know what's happened. <laughs> At least I didn't mention games. I'm not going to mention games I think are better because they're just going to make people mad. Please send all of your complaints about tonight's podcast to askwheels at rpgamer.com. No, no. <laughs> I mean, not, not to be that person, but it was one of those things that you really had to be there. Uh, I I remember reading about it in uh, GamePro and reading about all the different endings, and I'm like, what is this game? It sounds so neat. And then renting it from Blockbuster and using my Game Genie to kind of cheese all the endings. I was like, wow, this really is neat. Uh, but yeah, uh, do I mean, I kind of got ahead of us. Do we want to talk about the ports or do we want to talk about the battle system? I mean, we mentioned the, the DS add-ons. Um, I guess I'll do the battle system unless somebody else wants to say something. Apps? I think I'm good. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I go on to the battle system and stuff, and so, then I mean, talk about some other stuff. It's it's more or less three-person Final Fantasy, um, the exact same battle system, ATB counter, exact, pretty much the exact same spells. Um, the thing that this game kind of throws in that's the curveball is that you can combine different spells uh, to make combination attacks. Mm. So Yeah, dual uh, and triple attacks. Yeah, so for example, um, Frog and Chrono have an ability called Cross Slap. Where the, you know they cross over into a it's hard to describe that line thinking about it. It's like they both dash at an enemy at a cross and slash at him at the same time, and then later on you can get a triple tech that uh, adds Ayla to the mix that kind of does a death from above, which is really cool. Um, and I, pretty much every everybody in the game except Magus has a dual tech because Magus don't play that way. Cause Magus, <laughs> yeah, loader, kind of a loner. Yeah, loader jerk. But everybody else has dual techs, and it's kind of neat discovering all of the different dual techs mm-hmm. and figuring out how triple cool they techs. are. Yeah, and the triple techs are pretty neat too because these abilities that you've had the entire game, all of a sudden, it's all three people coming together mm-hmm. and the, the triple techs are cool but they also use some of them use a lot of mp yeah and you, yeah you also have to wait of course for everybody's meters to yeah. fill at the same time yeah. and depending on the difficulty of the battle you may not want to wait that long yeah, honestly they're not really that 
useful, but they are cool. Yes, they are cool. And yeah. I think you can unlock certain ones by equipping special weapons, like not weapons, like equipping special items. Uh, yeah. Like there's a couple of special equipment that you can, if you have it equipped, then you can use that uh, triple tech. Yeah, because I remember, I remember one of the rocks that you get that you need to um, equip. Oh, yeah, like, you have to like let uh, someone in an area hit frog on the head with a rock. Yes. Okay. So that was the because uh, that yeah there there are gemstones in the DS version. I have it open like the black gemstone give um, yeah. enables e- eternal darkness. The silver gemstone spin tr- strike. The blue gemstone omega flare, and I think there's a gold one. Yeah, gold gemstone. The master mune track. Uh, That's the one that uh, frog can get if he just if he grabs a stone instead of getting hit by it by those monsters. I think my favorite one ended up being I think I think it's called like Delta Attack or something, where um, Chrono, Luca, and Marl do like lightning, fire, and water, mm-hmm. and it just devastates everything. Disturb not the harmony of fire, ice, or lightning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one's pretty cool. And the other thing I forgot to mention about the battle system is, as far for me, this was the first um, RPG that let your position matter because, um, like, depending on where enemies are on the um, battlefield, um, it depends on whether or not you're going to be able to hit certain people with certain attacks. Like one of Chrono's first attacks is a spin attack, and depending on who you target, you may be able to hit one dude or all three of the dudes in the fight. And everybody's attacks kind of has an area of effect like that. So you, you can't just spam the attack. You really got to think about where your characters are. And in, uh, in contrast, um, you have to think about where you are and that you can move your characters kind of around a little bit and spread them out so that they won't get hit with some of the AOE as bad. Hmm. Um, that was pretty neat to me. Um, and we, we talked about the magic, how everybody gets their own brand of magic. Um, Mag- I think Magus is the best magic user in the game because he wins pretty much all of it, but his um, elements is also shadow, so he wins some pretty wicked shadow attacks, too. Um, all, all of the characters in this game are useful, so you you can pretty much have anyone in your party and have it work, and the game is intended to be like that, because if you're going for the different endings, you're not always going to have everybody. Um Every time I've played through it, I've always kind of made a point to make sure that um, Chrono, Luca, and Marl were pretty powerful so that they could take on Lavos and some of those earlier endings. Uh, what else? Oh, and when and another interesting thing is that once Chrono comes back to life, you don't have to have him in your party. Yeah. It's nice yeah. to move out there so you can try different combinations. Yeah. Because like, I, I, I remember, like, my, my replay, just like, I know I could move out Chrono, but why can't I? Oh, it has to be after he gets brought back to life. Cool. Yep. Um, Chrono Cross also follows that similarly, but only New Game Plus. Um, talked about battle system. We already kind of went over the characters. Um, I mean, they're, they're very interesting characters, and you definitely learn about each one of them and their little quirks and stuff. Um, believe it or not, the only one who's Pat, who's kind of mysterious and he doesn't really have a like a side quest in the end game is Magus. I think no, everybody. But, yeah, everybody but I guess everybody. Else. Yeah, but he get he's kind of a somewhat. It's important to the story itself since you learn his backstory. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's important to the story. I just found it, I found it kind of funny that he doesn't really have anything to do in the end game, but that might be by design since mm-hmm. it's an option as to whether or not you can have him in your party. Right. Because you can you can kill his ass. And deservedly so, because he's kind of a jerk. But... Sure, but he's also awesome, so why would yeah. he do <laughs> Yeah, no, he, he is one of my favorite characters, even if he is kind of a jerk. Um, 
talked about that. Um, the music in this game is freaking oh. amazing. It's got to be one of the quite, best. It is quite good. Time. Very good. Once again, I waffle between this one and Final Fantasy VI for my favorite video game soundtrack of all time. And 16-year-old me, this was the first time I realized that video game music could be, you know, listenable outside of a video game. Um, one of the first tracks that I fell in love with, and I crank it up every time I get to the point, is the Quarters of Time um, in the Kingdom of Zeal. Oh, that is good. It's that song is so gorgeous. I love it, and I I I download so many remixes of it just because it's so gorgeous. Um, My second favorite song in the game is um, Magus's battle theme because that's just epic. Yeah, somebody who came. Yeah, I mean, as someone who came like obviously late to this, I was an adult by the time I finally got around to playing it. I really, I do enjoy the music a lot to this. Um, whether this or Final Fantasy VI is my favorite SNES soundtrack, I don't, I can't decide, but they are. It is a fantastic soundtrack. Just put them all together on one CD, and there you go. That's <laughs> all you I need. Have, Why pick I have one? both CDs. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that and the VI soundtrack was two CDs that I sought out when I was in Japan last year, and the VI one I paid a pretty penny for, but I had to have it in my collection. Um, do you have any favorite tracks, Mike? Uh, all of them? Can I say all of them? <laughs> or is that just cheating? I mean, um, it's... Uh, a lot of, like, the quieter tunes, like, I don't remember the names of the specific tracks, but, like, any any of the quiet tunes that play at some of the more emotional moments in the game, it mm-hmm. still, like, make me tear up to this day. Yeah, I but... I get feels when I listen to the soundtrack, too. I've I've yeah. got it open right now. Unfortunately, it's in Japanese, so I can't really read any of the track listings. I mean, yeah. like, Zeal and Robo's theme especially, partly because of combining that with uh, Rick Rowling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Once you hear that, you can't unhear it. No. no His very podcast already did that mashup, so. <laughs> in a much earlier episode. Um, though, interestingly enough, there's a remix out there of Robo's theme called Incredible Singing Robot that I listen to so much that I that's actually the lyrics I hear and not Rick Astley. Um, look, look that up on YouTube. Yeah, I'm going to have to. <laughs> it's an amazing remix, and it's very catchy, and you're going to find yourself humming it all day. Um, the Millennial Fair is one of my favorite mm. soundtracks. I used to use that a lot in my video editing for school just because it was such a happy, jaunty little tune and no- nobody in my classes really knew what it was. Um, I also have pretty neat remixes of that that makes it kind of um, techno-y and even peppier, if that's even possible for that song. <laughs> um, the battle theme is amazing. Uh, get you all pumped up. The boss themes are amazing. Oh, I, 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 I could listen to the soundtrack all day. It's one of my top ten favorite game soundtracks. It's amazing. Um, we touched briefly on the ports. The PS1 port was one of the first ones they did. It's not a very good port because it is very slow. And according to Retronauts, it was because they applied the translation patch like on top of the game. So it has horrible load times. Oh, that's what happened. Even I... the um, digital versions have the load times. I sold my SNES copy of Final Fantasy VI to buy that collection. Oh. Uh, that was yeah. a mistake. Yeah. Um, to be, I mean, it's playable, but what yeah, I would... mean, yeah, it, it it technically it works. You can play it. 
Um, what I ended up doing that kind of helped with it a little bit was I played it on my PS2 and t- changed the disc load speed to fast, and it helped with it some. Um, I, I mean, it's an okay port if you're patient, and it's one of the cheaper versions to get, especially since that version is on PSN. Just um, play at your own risk. Um, the DS version of the game is absolutely amazing. It has, and the PS1 version has um, animated cutscenes by Toriyama that are, are really neat. Um, like oh, the Toei specifically, I think if you want, uh, a, if you want the specific studio, but it, I mean, I it's obviously our style. Yeah, I, I didn't know it was Toei, but yeah, it's got that Akira Toriyama look mm-hmm. to it. Um, some of the cutscenes, added cutscenes, included the ending, Kodo and Marl getting married. Um, in in game, it shows uh, frog cutting the mountain in half with the Masamune, which is an amazing scene. Which and also that that music that plays when he has that is also awesome. Um, does it show? I think it shows Mag- Magus in his chamber. And yeah, the, you see like fire lighting up on the ground, and then it yeah. goes up in a circle, and you see him standing in a summoning circle, presumably about to yeah. summon Lavos. Yeah, which is really cool because that's pretty much uh, beat for beat the same scene in the SNES version, mm-hmm. just animated. Um, and also where uh, Chrono gets, not really blasted, he kind of gets absorbed, I guess, by Lavos mm-hmm. right before he dies. It's kind of a an odd scene, and then his body fades away. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been a while since I've seen some of these scenes. Um, and one of the endings shows... Uh, frog in his human form in in an animated fashion and then i can't remember if this was ds only or not but some of them also show the orphanage on fire um from chrono cross i i do at least at least in the ending i do know that a a baby materializes uh near luca and she picks it up which i believe is supposed to be one of the characters from cross yeah yeah that ties in directly to cross Mm -hmm. and there's also a scene with an orphanage that ties directly to cross i don't recall i I just may not remember that but i do distinctly remember the baby materializing and then the fall of um i'm blanking on the name of that place again the uh, main Guardia, kingdom. The kingdom. It's Guardia. Yeah, the, yeah, the fall of Kingdom of Guardia, which shows a huge battle taking place, and it's basically how Guardia fell. And that okay, that ex- okay, that explains one thing because there's this one to unlock the uh, the Dream Devourer. You have to take go into these places called the Dimensional Vortex, and in one of them, Dalton shows up again. Mm-hmm. He's labeled the Once King Dalton, and when you beat him, he says, "I'm going to raise an army and pour, and then come back and get my revenge." And I guess that ties into that too. Yeah, because in Chrono Cross, um, poor invades. Mm-hmm. And okay, so more ways that ties the two together. Yeah. Um, anything else we want to talk about with this game? It's awesome. Yes. <laughs> um, again, as somebody who came into this later in life, this is still an amazing game. I, now, I have not bought the Steam ports and the Steam or iOS ports. I heard mixed things about it. People had a fit when they came out because they kind of tried to make up res the graphics but instead just kind of make it made them ugly looking according to some people it that stuff doesn't bother me as much as it bothers others so your mileage may vary um i don't i don't i can't imagine you guys have tried the ios steam ports i haven't um read reviews kind of make your own judgment um other than that, you know, either track down a copy of the DS version or maybe uh, yeah. play the SNES version um, any any way you see fit. Yeah, uh, oh. I, those are, I, I checked the prices on those. I guess maybe uh, <laughs> Phil can do do that now. But I know it's like you can't find it for less than fifty anymore, from what I can tell. The um, DS, the DS or yeah, the DS okay. version. 
Because I remember I paid around 60 for my SNES version, and that was in, like, 2012. Oh, yeah. I could probably look at my eBay history right now, but that was when the price was starting to creep up a little bit, and now I can't imagine it's cheap at all. Probably not. Um, and, and for good reason. It's a pretty beloved uh, SNES yeah. game. One of the most beloved. And I mean, how um, much? How much did you guys talk about the graphics before I got on? Because um, I didn't get a chance to talk about it. I mean, it's sprite-based graphics, but it's gorgeous sprite-based graphics. Yeah. They're very, they're very like versatile too. They're very, ex- they're very expressive. Uh, yeah. You can like this, the facial expressions. Uh, like they're very prominent. I, I just think it's like it's very. Sorry, I'm repeating myself. They're very expressive for a game of the time. Uh, they're laughing. They're happy. They're upset. Uh, throwing a tantrum. Um, yeah, one of like... the, f- sorry. No, um, it's, it's... one of the. <laughs> go, ahead. go ahead. Okay, I'll go ahead. Um, one of the few RPGs I've ever played where towns are on the world, like the places you go in town are actually on the world map and not on a separate map, which kind of threw me for a loop back in the day. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So instead of like going into a town. Like, all of the houses and stuff are directly on the world map, and you just go directly into the houses on the world map. And I mm-hmm. I thought that that was kind of a neat touch. Um, it, it was just kind of, I thought it was a neat, neat part of the art style that just kind of stood out to me. And yeah, the world map is so colorful, especially when they show the Millennial Fair and the balloons and the fireworks at the very end of the game. Yeah. Just like the, it's got, it's the kind of game that has like this eternal art style. Like if this was a new game that came out today, especially with so many like retro style games, uh, I, you know, I don't think anyone would really say, "Oh, that looks old" or anything. It'd be just like, "Oh, this game looks awesome." No, we got, we got it's games like timeless. Yeah, we got, we got plenty of uh, pixel games nowadays that people love and they enjoy. And I mean, I'm playing Tangle Deep. It's a roguelike dungeon crawler, whatever, and and it's a, I love the aesthetic that stuff. Yeah, it, it's great. So you go back and you play, you know, Chrono. That's what I'm saying. That's why I like being a, uh, a retro gamer because what's uh, it's kind of like uh, clothing styles, right? I'm waiting for bell bottoms mm-hmm. to come back, but you know, the 2D graphics held up really well. Was, uh, the yeah. first, the oh, first, the PlayStation graphics, the PlayStation One graphic era that came after it, not so much. Yeah, well, I mean, there's plenty of old games, old pixel games that didn't hold up either that just didn't have like the art quality that this game has i think this one is like far and above even some of the ones i would say hey, held up for it. hey yeah, we're gonna so talk about one of those good. games it's just really about... i think Sorry. the really good art direction comes through better much better in the 2d pixel realm than it did in like the early 3d where they only had so many polygons to it they could really yeah. pack in some detail in some of these in some of these games um you know as far as prices go yeah you can uh you know you you could you could find a, if you're dying for an SNES cartridge <laughs> You you can you can find a uh, one that's got coffee stains and a rubbed off sticker on it for you know northwards of fifty sixty bucks. Oh. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's shot up pretty. But, but if you want, of course, our listeners demand the best. They want the complete with box and all the goodies that came with the instruction manual, everything else. They want the full enchilada from a five star uh, owner, right? A five star seller, and you can have it. For the low, low price of three hundred and nineteen dollars. Wow! Yeah, that's not brand new in the box, mind you. That's just <laughs> that's just with the box and everything. That, I'm not that even... is more than I paid for Panzer Dragon Second. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's. Uh, mm. I mean, I did find one uh, complete in box for uh, two fifty, but uh, I'm not sure it's a five star seller. So the results. Yeah. Go, oh, hey, look! I found another one for four hundred bucks. Woo! Is that one also? Yeah. Uh, not new. Not in a shrink wrap. No, and, and here we go. What's CIB? CIB. Complete, Complete in box. box. Complete in box. $625, Mon! That, and it's shrink wrapped. I don't know if they just did their own shrink wrapping afterwards or if it literally mm-hmm. is still brand new in the shrink wrap. Now it's been used. They just put plastic over it and did the hairdryer thing that GameStop likes to you do. No, I. At least they're honest about it. I must ask you. I must ask you, after hearing those prices, does that $15 Steam copy really sound so bad now? $875! <laughs> I have found another one! Yikes. $875! <laughs> yeah, no, I would go for the uh, Steam or the, the, the... I mean, I played the DS, which worked just great, and I, you know what? For this much money, you can buy yourself a couple of DSs or buy a brand new... 3ds the new 3ds model with improved 3d graphics because it'll work just fine in that boat that one yeah but you'll want to play it in its native resolution or it looks all weird stretched on the uh, so i'm usually pretty stickler for the for the resolution and, and at the time i switched over to the 3ds i was playing strange journey which has a lot of text and popping that in yeah you can tell when the text has been stretched out a bit it, it aliases a bit and it's not quite crisp and clear um, and it bothered me yeah, strange journey looking yeah i haven't tried it with chrono trigger but i have tried it like with other ds games like i was playing etrian odyssey 3 um because they never got a 3ds report of that one and that one wasn't too bad you know I, I, the trade it does a little bit fuzzier but the trade-off of being on a much bigger screen was mm-hmm. kind of a decent trade-off because then i go back and play it on the ds and it should be screen See, my my issue with playing DS games on the 3DS isn't the resolution; it's that I can't adjust the brightness on the fly. Yeah, that yeah that has annoyed me a bit because some of the darker dungeons just like oh great, I need to find a save point if I want to <laughs> increase the brightness on the screen. But but Phil, so I'm I'm curious, what's the PlayStation version going for? Because I have that one too, and that one comes with a free copy of Final Fantasy IV. Well, in the US, I think they were sold separate in Japan. So on the PlayStation, if you Enjoy long loads. Well, it wasn't long. It was just frequent. Yeah. yeah. Those you can get pretty cheap. And and like I said, you can play that on your PS3. And if you just adjust the disc load speed, it helps with it some, I found. But your mileage and hardware may vary. So play at your own risk. The DS and cartridge. I see a couple of 20. You can buy it now. So those are still yeah, those weren't buy it. Yeah. The, the buy it now, I saw, were like 50 or more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, DS games have shot up. You're paying for your, for your chrono fix. Do it. Or just get the Steam. Hashtag PC. Or, or, you can, or you can do the fell off of back of a truck method. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's that country that has the bipedal per- birds that's um, emus. And they live in a place called a nation. So, yeah, you can do that. Uh wasn't there a little bit of... Yeah, the original release tried to do some of, some of the um, same graphics as the PC versions of Final Fantasy V and VI, and it it seemed like kind of a rushed port, and Squeenix was very like, well, we thought you guys wanted these kind of HD graphics, and we were like, no, we want them to be... We don't want it messed with. We just want the game, and... It, it, 
it's kind of a mess. I don't really agree with the vitriol because I have a hard time. I can see where Squeenix is coming from because I don't think people are going to pay 15 bucks for a ROM. Yeah. Which is why I think people like they complain about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think people will do uh, get kind of upset when they charge that much for a game that doesn't have any quote unquote improvements. But I, I don't know. I argued with people on Twitter about that because I thought people were being very childish about the whole thing. But that's they me. They complain regardless how they release it. Oh, yeah. No of course. No uh, moving on. Yeah. Uh, radical, before we get... Radical Dreamers. We were in touch by 96. What can you guys tell me about... Yes, so this was actually released on the Satellaview, which is that uh, satellite add-on for the Super Famicom that, of course, we never got... Uh, so you you could save it onto a uh, memory pack, so it wasn't completely like you only play it once and then it's gone forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, and there is a uh, fan translation out there available through whatever means you need to find it. I so as I understand, this is a it's a, a sequel to uh, Chrono Trigger, to t- uh, although also sort of a side story, a guide in. It's meant to tie up certain loose ends. And it's basically the prototype to Chrono Cross, because uh, the main part of the story is sort of the first quest, but also a uh, shorter version of what happens in that game. Um, Isn't there also some very light combat elements in that? Yeah, there's some very light... It says here you can uh, like select from fight, magic, or run. There are some graphics in it. It's mostly text-based visual novel, but there's some like still images uh, that you see in the game. There's... Um, obviously music to set the tone and there's also multiple endings some of them more serious some of them silly um there's a very interesting old retronauts episode that has the fan translator that worked on that that's um kind of neat to listen to if you want more history and i remember hearing on that particular episode that um if you people have found the uh flash or not the flashcards whatever those cards were called that you could download those games yeah to. They're the 8m memory pack they were called yeah they found those memory packs in Japan that have that on there, and they go for, like, ridiculous amounts of money, and this was 10 years ago. So it, it's possible to get a physical copy, but I, I think this is why game preservation is important, because mm-hmm. otherwise we would lose stuff like this. Yeah, I mean, we already have a couple of lost Satellaview games, like the Zelda ones and yeah. some other things that I can't remember right now. Yeah, uh, that whole thing is just so fascinating to me, and the idea that some of these are gone forever is just sad. Mm -hmm. So keep circulating the tapes, I guess. And I guess, yeah, there's not much else to say, I guess. Check out the mix on that. Oh, there's Um, plenty of Let's Plays of of that. YouTube is your friend. We're going to take a little break here before we jump into the second part of this main event.
We've returned and we're ready to talk about a Chrono Cross developed by Square Product Development Division 3, published in North America by Square Electronic Arts. That just sounds like some unholy dark union. <laughs> Released in North America on August 15th, 2000. Uh, this is a single R- uh, single player RPG experience for your Sony PlayStation, the original PlayStation system. Mm-hmm. I remember this coming out the same year as Final Fantasy IX and getting both games for Christmas and being like, what am I going to play first? No, oh, you've just died and, and gone to heaven. Yeah, really. I, I was a spoiled teacher back then. Um, <laughs> I have not played this game, so I'm just going to say two main things. It looks a, lo- looks a lot like a prototype for Bot and Kaitos, which should not be surprising. Uh, because the team that made uh, Chrono Cross went on to form, at least many of them, went on to form the Monolith Soft. And, of course, they are the developers of both Bot and Kaitos games. Also, uh, Scars of Time, the opening theme, is absolutely fantastic. Yes, okay. That's the end of my contribution, except for maybe express confusion. <laughs> okay, so t- technically this is a direct sequel to Chrono Cross, but it's direct sequel by um, by way of like very lost style storytelling, uh, plot so threads, air, and air quotes here sequel. Yeah, sequel. So um, I'm going to read off the story, and I'm, I'm reading this on Chrono Compendium, by the way, to give credit to whoever, to the person that wrote this because it's it's a good story, but it's very very dense and very confusing. And I apologize in advance if anyone is going to be like screaming at their Bluetooth speaker if I get stuff wrong or if I skip over <laughs> stuff. Um, just b- bear with me. It's a very long story. Let me quick guzzle some water to prepare my voice as I try to do this. Okay. <clears throat> so the story starts off with Sturd, who is the main protagonist of the, of the entire game. He's a blue haired boy with a bandana. He's very cute. And you're in a setting called El Nido, which is a tropical arpeggio, and has some um, natives and colonists and stuff like that. And it's also a world where there are creatures called Dimahians, who are kind of half human, half animal, and they are prejudiced against. And you start out the game, and you meet with your girlfriend, Lena, who wants you to go collect some Komodo scales so that you can make Komodo necklaces. And that's kind of the first dungeon of the game. You run around collecting Komodo scales. Um, You get them back and you decide to go meet at this beach. And when you meet at the beach, uh, Surge slips into an alternate dimension. Like basically just kind of falls through the floor and then ends up in the same spot. Um, He goes to back to the village. Nobody knows who he is. And when he says that he Surge, they say that's ridiculous. Surge died um, several years ago. He drowned. So confused, you kind of go to this one cape where you meet this kid, this thief named Kid, who has an Australian accent and a short, uh, short skirt. And she is trying to find this, the MacGuffin called the Frozen Flame. Um, so you, you go to the, the local town where you're trying to get the frozen fame, flame from this place called Viper Manor. Um, you rec- you have a, the opportunity to recruit like one of three different people. Um, one of them is a kid with a boat. One of them is a magician. And I can't remember the other one, to be honest with you. A magician that is uh, Magus, basically. Uh, 
no, no, he he's Guile. Wasn't that wasn't that rewritten or something? <laughs> yeah. So that ma- that magician, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but that magician was originally supposed to be Magus, but through some weird thing, it's Guile, and in Japan, his name is actually Magul. Yeah, it, it's weird, and a lot of the connections to Chrono Trigger are going to be weird in this. So bear with Didn't- me. Didn't they add in an an ending to the DS version of Chrono Trigger that basically then says, "Oh no, it's actually Magus" or something? I think they did. Um, I, it's been a, it's been a hot minute since I yeah. played the DS version, so I'm not a hundred percent sure. I know they added a bunch of stuff to the DS <laughs> to kind of connect the two games. Yeah, but, but, but basically, it's it's not really so. <laughs> and and bear in mind. And bear in mind, at that time, there was no DS version to do this. Right, yes. So, um, just t- take any of that with a grain of salt at that point. So, you infiltrate Viper Manor looking for this uh, frozen flame. Um, you meet with these characters called the Acacia Dragoons, who are um, very combative, and they're led by a cat man named Lynx. And... Um, Link stabs Kid and causes her to go into a coma. Um, she eventually recuperates. You have to go um, f- find a special herb to recuperate her. Um, <clears throat> one moment while I read ahead. See, now the story is kind of getting all confusing because you're at, at this point, you're trying to... Okay, at this point, you you get the ability to travel between the different dimensions, and you're trying to go on a voyage by boat to go to a fort called um, Fort Dragonia, which was an ancient ruin left by the Drago- Dragonians, which was a mysterious race that went extinct. Um, on your way to go and in- infiltrate this fortress, you are... Um, captured by a pirate named Fargo and then Serge um, eventually earns his respect and after fighting off some ghosts and is freed and then Serge enters the fort along with your friends and goes to the highest part. Um, the scene, the sequence in Fort Dragonia, by the way, is also the very opening of the game, and it's kind of like one of those weird flashback things where RP- that RPGs like to do, where they start you out in the middle and then you get to a point, and then the game actually starts. Yeah, the the cool thing about that opening is, I think. Uh, you'll have like different party members each time you start the game over. Yeah, <laughs> I because I, I think I started or one of them was like with the dog at the beginning, which you actually get at the beginning. So as you're going up this tower, you meet with Lynx. Um, you eventually switch bodies with Lynx for some reason, and yeah, then this, this is yeah. when weird stuff begins. Oh. Oh, weird stuff doesn't even begin to describe it. So, <laughs> Link switched bodies with Surge. Link's in Surge's body, stabs Kid. You go unconscious, and then you get put into the Temporal Vortex, which is like a strange Impressionist painting type of area. Um, eventually, you meet up with a Harley Quinn character named Harl, who was Link's right-hand, right-hand woman, and you escape from uh, that realm. Um, you, you find out when you escape from that realm that you can't travel between dimensions anymore until you get your original body back. So, um, <clears throat> through some some reasons, you decide to go meet with a demi-human sage who's on a cruise ship called the SS Zelbus. 
And, you know, the, the demi-humans are pretty much treated like garbage on this cruise, cruise ship because nobody likes them because they're basically animal people. Um, you gain the sage's favor and you get this artifact that allows you to um, access this place called the Dead Sea, where they say that you can get your body back. Um, while attempting to, en- to enter, you discover that Masamune comes back and it is uh, an evil sword. It's it, it's completely tainted with evil, and the only way to counter it is with a holy sword called Einlanzer. Um, there's a whole side quest with uh, there about the um, Arcasia dragoons and getting the Einlanzer and um, Masamune like possessing people and causing the Arcasia dragoons to or one of the Arcasia dragoons kill one of the other ones and then realize what he did. Um, but that that's kind of a side point. You you get the sword, you get inside the Dead Sea, and then at the center you locate a man named Miguel. Um he is the mother of your girlfriend in this dimension at the very or no, I'm sorry, the father of your girlfriend. I don't know if said mother. He is the father of your girlfriend and um and he's the guardian of that of home world's frozen flame. Um, I forgot to mention way back when the two worlds you trans- traverse through this game is home world and another world. Home world is where Surge is from. Another world is where Surge died ten years or drowned ten years. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm trying to, to figure out how to make yeah. this make sense. I mean, if anyone listening, if you're confused, we are too. Yeah, yeah. Don't I, worry. I, I, uh, this is so hard to describe. So. I, I I watched a recap video today trying to figure out how I was going to make sense of all this, and I got done watching it, and I just did a crust of the clown. What the hell was that? <laughs> uh, so you meet with Miguel, fight him because he's guarding Homeworld's frozen flame, and he was charged with guarding this dead sea by an entity named Fate, which I believe is a giant supercomputer. Um, you battle, you battle Miguel, you eventually kill him, um, to prevent Surge from obtaining the frozen flame, fate destroys the Dead Sea, and he still, um, in Lynx's body, and he's rescued by a dragon. Um, and there's, like, six mythical dragons who inhabit El Nido. Um, Surge is finally able to return to the, to the another world. I feel like I'm talking about Nino Kuni at this point. <laughs> he, he returns, um, finds that the Acacian Dragoons, um, are having trouble because Poor has invaded. Remember Poor from Chrono Trigger? Um, G- General Viper's daughter, who was at the beginning of the game, gets captured. And then you have to go on a relic hunt to collect six relics from six elemental dragons. Um, Surge locates the dragon's tear, um, travels to Fort Dragonia, and then eventually gets his original body back. Um, <clears throat> at this point, he then enters the Sea of Eden, which is another world's dead sea, and finds a temporal research facility called Chronopolis. And inside, you find Link's kid and the frozen flame. Um, at this point, Link's bonds with Fate, which is the main supercomputer, to try and defeat Surge. <clears throat> um, 
the defense systems fail, everything explodes, and the dragons fly over the facility and scoop up the frozen flame. Um, just to back up a little bit, the reason why they want this frozen flame so much is because it's it has a whole bunch of magical power, and you later on find out later in the game that it's a piece of Lavos. But it, it kind of... I mean, it's basically a MacGuffin. Like, nothing ever comes from it. You hear about it the entire game, but nothing ever comes from it. Uh, so the dragons... Kit, Kit falls into a coma. Harl bids the party goodbye and goes off with the dragons. Um, then this huge tower gets erected from the floor called Terra Tower. And I think... I, I can't remember if that's a final, if that's a final dungeon or not. Um, Surge eventually regroups with Kid to revive her from her coma. Um, you cleanse the Masamune at one point and then use the dragon relics and shards of the dragon tears to create the seventh mystical element known as the Chrono Cross. Uh, na- name drop, just like how the Chrono... Yeah, they said the thing! Um, and then at Terra Tower, you meet with the Prophet of Time who actually is Belfazar from Chrono Trigger. And then this is when you get kind of an info dump. Um, thousands of years ago, uh, a catastrophic experimental failure drew the tower or the Terra Tower into the past. Um, a temporarily foreign, a temporally foreign object in history called the planet to pull in a counterbalance from a different dimension. And this was Dinopolis, which was inhabited by the Dragonians. And they were descendants of the Reptites from Chrono Trigger. Um, the uh, Chronopolis basically subjugated the Dragonians and captured the Dragon God. Um, at that point, they divided the Dragon God into six pieces to create the elements, which is what you one of the things we use to fight, but we'll get into that later. Um, and then that's when the supercomputer basically made the arpeggio and erased people's memories and populated this new paradise. Um <clears throat> Thousands of years later, uh, a panther demon attacks the three-year-old Surge, and his father and Miguel um, were trying to rescue him, and uh, the boat flew off course um, because of ma- of a magnetic storm. Um, I'll get to that in a second. Um, at one point, this version of Surge touched the frozen flame and came bonded to it, so only he could touch the frozen flame. Um and it prevented uh, the supercomputer fate from using the artifact. Um, the dragons became aware of the situation. Um, somehow, you find out Harl was a dragon. Um, Links become or Harl be- at that point. Links becomes Harl's um, right hand woman. Um, and then Surge, cured of the poison, returns home. And then the supercomputer fate manipulated uh, Surge's dad. Um, to kill that surge in that timeline to release the lock on the frozen throne. And when Surge when Surge's father drowned him, that's when he became Lynx because um Surge was afraid of cats at the time because of the Panther Demon, and that's why Surge's father turned into a cat. And it was at that point that the two timelines split off into two different areas. Or into two different timelines, which is why this whole thing is so confusing. In the meantime, Shala from Chrono Trigger, do you all remember Shala? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, she 
I need to back up just a little bit. She got thrown into all of this when Lavos exploded in Chrono Trigger, and she ended up in a place called the Darkness Beyond Time and started merging with Lavos. And she was the one that created the storm to nullify Chronopolis' defenses. Um, This part of the story is kind of all over the place, so bear with me. Um, (laughs) It's not already. (laughs) Yeah. Um, At one point, a clone of Shala was created, and and ended up with Luca as a baby. And this clone had a pendant that would basically rewind time whenever Kid got in trouble, which explains why she kind of like miraculously revives throughout the game. And has blonde hair for some reason. Yeah, and has blonde hair for some reason. You see the you see the cutscene where Luca finds her, by the way, in um, one of the endings in the DS version of Chrono Trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, you get this all in an information dump, and then at this point, it's kind of the end of the game. Um, you go back to the beach where time split, and there's another portal where you can go to the darkness beyond time to face Shala. And here is where Surge finds three very familiar ghosts resembling, resembling uh, Chrono, Luca, and Marl. And you talk to these ghosts, and they pretty much give you the info dump that explains the entire game. And while uh, saying it out loud, none of this makes sense, but when they explain it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, kind of. A, a little bit. I, I, I honestly think somebody, somebody at Square was like, this makes no effing sense. Let's just put Chrono Marlon Luca here, and they'll explain everything. <laughs> Hopefully people will get it. I don't know how true this is, but apparently this story this story went through a couple of rewrites and there's probably earlier versions in it. So that's one reason why could be that's very confusing, apparently. Can you I don't tell? know how good the translation I don't know how good the translation was, so I don't know if that might have contributed to um, the time when they were a little iffy. We'll we'll get to a little bit of that. But um I don't think there's any way that been translated to make it make sense. <laughs> yeah. Probably, yeah. Well, we'll get to that in a second, because I think that they were focused on another aspect of the translation and not so much the story, but uh, I'll, we'll bring that up when we bring up the characters. Because at this point in the game, basically your goal is to use this thing called the Time Egg to free Shala from the Time Devourer, because that's what she is now when she merged with Lavos. And, she thought yeah. of the Dream Devourer in the DS version, in its yeah. prototypal form. Yeah, well, this version of the Time Devourer, you don't actually fight. You have to, like, use the Chrono the chrono Cross and the Time Egg to play a song using the elements to free Shala from the Time Devourer. And that's how you beat the game. And in the end, you would think that the ending would make this make sense, but no, the ending is nope. just kind of ambiguous. Um, I mean... I think uh, Serge goes back to his original time, but then the ending just shows uh, Shala just kind of running around, and she's actually a real human girl running around, or just kind of wandering around Tokyo. Um, and it, it was in- intentionally made in- ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Any questions? Yes, I um, <laughs> Just, like, would I be as confused if I actually played this game? Yes. Um, okay. Yes. Very okay, good. <laughs> Um, people have done analyses of this game, including on this Chrono Compendium site where I tried to access this. Um, I mean, this, this is coming from a person who understands Kingdom Hearts, for God's sake, and I don't understand what this was supposed to be. Kingdom Hearts but, is less convoluted than this is. <laughs> yeah. At, at least Kingdom Hearts kind of has a point. This doesn't really have a point. <laughs> 
but I mean, the, apparently the, this point was to explain what happened to Shala, but I don't know. Something yeah. got lost. <laughs> yeah. Um. Some somewhere in there, you find out that that fake computer was Robo. I I don't remember how. Um, this Chrono Compendium website has a nice little timeline that kind of goes into all of the events that happened, and that's part of why it sounded confusing, because I read it in the order that you experience it in the game, which, that makes it not seem like it makes any sense, but maybe it makes more sense when you, uh read it in chronological order there's a graph I, I need to send you guys this graph there's a graph that like talks about the timelines and the split timelines and it's it's insane okay it's starting to sound okay I, I see it right here this is even more okay so if anyone was confused by the Zelda time um... yeah <laughs> yeah because you have the Riptite timeline the Lavos timeline um the averted future, the keystone. <laughs> and the... Radical Dreamers is its own separate time. <laughs> oh, I didn't even see that. It's it's crazy. So that's still canon, sort of. Uh, and you this... know they throw in stuff about like dead timelines that's kinda disturbing, but and... not really they don't really go into it too much. Yeah, it's, it's there's hilarious. a lot of weird stuff in this game. <laughs> it's it's hilarious because you know, Chrono Trigger did time travel and had it make sense. They really didn't try to make it too convoluted. You have the same places. You have time. You have a definite timeline of things that happen. And the the real splits are in the ending. This game just looks like somebody, I don't know, took a Doctor Who episode and thought that it was too easy to understand. So they just yeah. sliced it up. Yeah, and I'm sure... Chrono Trigger takes like the back to the books. Like, it's yeah, very, very friendly, not confusing mm-hmm. at all. Things are very clearly laid out, and this yep, is no bootstraps paradoxes here. This is but. like, hey, hey guys, let's take all these cool like sci-fi things we've seen in media over the years and fit them all into one game: time travel, <laughs> parallel timelines, traveling between dimensions, and w- jumping what's... to other bodies, clones. We've got it all. Clones, dragons. <laughs> <laughs> the descendants of an extinct species that somehow survived. Um, and and you know the funny thing is that despite the crazy crazy story, I really like this game. No, I do because, too. <laughs> I mean, the story makes no sense whatsoever. But I was kind of along for the ride. I enjoyed the battles. I enjoyed kind of seeing the little side stories and everything. Um, I had fun playing it. I, I didn't. It didn't make any sense. Well, I mean, look at it this way, you know, stories in games like this don't always need to make sense. Sometimes in like a sci-fi adventure, you just want to be along for the weird ride and you don't (laughs) necessarily need to understand why everything like it is. It's just like, oh, okay, a dinosaur city got pulled into the future or something. That's neat. I don't need to know necessarily know or understand why that happens because that's just cool. <laughs> and I I think part of why this game is so confusing is because it has forty five play- playable characters. Yes. And um, you know there are certain points in the game where you have a choice between several different characters recruit, and you can only recruit one of like two or three, and you kind of go along for their ride. Um, <laughs> Some of the backstories. I mean, a character like Poshal basically has no backstory. She was a or she or he was a dog that you just recruit at the very beginning of the game. 
um, other characters like the whole Acacia Dragoon family kind of have their own little subplot going on in both timelines. Um, because I think in one of the subplots, the character that you recruit, Dario, ends up killing um, one of the Acacia Dragoons with the Masamune and doesn't realize that he's doing it. And that kind of sets off a domino effect of events with that whole family. Um You've got the story aligned with Mickey, Mickey, Nikki, and Fargo in one of the timelines where in one of them, Fargo is kind of a jerk. And in the other timeline, Fargo is a really nice guy. And Nikki, the rock star, kind of confronts, I think he confronts him in the timeline where Fargo is a jerk and is kind of disappointed. Um, don't quote me on that. It's been a, it's been a while. Um, even though I like the characters, I gotta be honest with you, if they would have just focused on a handful of characters like Kid, Chrono, Harl, um, some of them, I think this game would have been a, a little bit more enjoyable and to kind of rope that all in, because that's what was so great about Chrono Trigger, is that you had se- seven characters, I think it was seven, I might be uh, mistaken. Was it, isn't it six, or am I, hold, like, I could check this right now, like, let's see here. I think it's, it might be six. Yeah, so, uh, nope, seven. Yeah, okay. Frog, Marlin, Magnus, Chrono, of course, Luca, yeah. Isla, and Robo. So, yeah, seven. Yeah, so th- that definitely had more focus. The- these- this game doesn't really have as much focus because of all the characters. 45 and what- is kind of crazy. It's like, and- get to, like, a strategy RPG to get anything around that number. Yeah, and what's even more frustrating is that a lot of characters have their own accent. So a lot of times you can't even really read their dialogue because they have such a crazy accent that um, I think one of them has a very heavy, heavy Scottish accent that's really hard to read unless you read it out loud. Um, Postal the dog talks, talks with a lift. Not like Scooby-Doo, then. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I think it's meant to more be like cutesy talking like with a lisp. And I don't even know if it was like this in the Japanese version or not. Um, I could be mistaken. Um, Harl, the Harlequin, uh, talks with a French accent and says, Mussi and... Um, I think they like had to build an entire engine, like an entire translation engine or something just for the accents, if I remember correctly. But a lot of it kind of takes away from the game a little bit. Um, and then some characters just make no sense at all. Like the voodoo doll that you can recruit very, at the very beginning of the game. And you recruit that, you recruit that voodoo doll by getting a shark tooth from one world and then taking it to the other world. The fisherman and the home world was really proud of his shark tooth necklace, and then the fisherman and the other world is kind of a loser that just worships this um, straw voodoo doll. And you kind, of, you kind of confront him with the shark tooth, and he yells at you for judging him. And then the voodoo doll kind of springs to life and chastises the guy, and then comes with you. Um, <clears throat> and also, N- Nikki was my favorite character in this game, just because he was a rock star. And, and interestingly enough. Um, you remember how Ozzy Flea and Slash were named after foods in Chrono Trigger in the Japanese version, right. but Rock Stars? should look up what those names were. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember them either. I want to say it was like garlic or something. Well, I think they tried to continue that joke because there's two characters that kind of show up for tutorials called Salt and Pepper in this game. And I think that joke is going to be lost on people that didn't know about the um, Japanese names of... Uh, 
those characters. But then also, because they localized Ozzy Flea and Slash, in Japanese, um, Nikki was called Slash after uh, Slash from Guns N' Roses. But then, because of the localization, they didn't want to confuse people, so they renamed him to be after Nikki Six from Motley Crue. And he looks like he's a, m- a member of... <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay, so here we go. Ozzy was vinegar. Uh, Flea was mayo, as in mayonnaise, and Slash was soy sauce. Soy sauce. So, okay. Sauce. Yeah, so so that's why vinegar. Salt, that's why salt and pepper kind of makes sense. Um, just trying to pull up the list of characters. Uh, Mike, do you have any favorite characters in particular? Oh, it's been a while. I'm trying to remember some of the characters. Uh, wasn't there some kind of dragon you can get? Yeah, draggy. Yes. That was that's um here. Oh, I posted a list of them so that you can jog your memory. Uh, I liked Serge's girlfriend. I liked that you could actually eventually go back and do. Oh, can, Mickey. Yeah, I can't remember. Do you recruit her from like the original timeline or like the alternate one? I forget. Um, to be honest, I don't remember because there's a whole subplot with Nikki and Mickey about them playing a uh playing a song to help awaken one of the black dragons and it's a side quest that's entirely missable and I missed it in my first play through the game because you have to do it at a certain time um, and I was pissed that I missed it the first time around because then the second time I played it on my uh, P- or my PlayStation Vita it's like that sequence is really cool and has a really awesome song yeah um, this game is definitely a guy dang it kind of <laughs> game uh, Harla I enjoyed Lucia it's like a weird scientist lady. Yeah, her accent is German. Of... Um, matcha, the chef, the chef on this list. Yeah, Matcha, Orcha, um, who else? Uh, th- there's like a whole family of characters that's up. Uh, matcha, Orcha, and Korcha are all related, and they uh, say cha at the end of all of their sentences sentences which is kind of neat um i think all of the dragoons are um recruitable too like radius and riddell uh viper um i really like the skeleton whose body parts you collect throughout the course of the game yes um he he, you find his skull first and he mentioned and the character or search kind of mentions that his skull is really heavy um and then when you finish this game, I think you have a new, you have a new game plus just like in Chrono Trigger, and you also have a continue plus where you can continue from any save point in the game, or any save point you make in the game, and it treats it like one central save point, and that's what basically what you use to recruit characters. Um, you you kind of uh, incentivize to save at major decision points at the game so that you can recruit save, go back to an original save while recruit again and save and so on and so forth. Um, that sounds a little confusing, but you might have to look it up to have it make more sense. <clears throat> uh, Lena was another one of my favorite characters. Which one was... Uh, oh, yeah. Um, his, Serge's girlfriend at the beginning. Right, but you you don't rec- recruit his actual girlfriend. You were the version of her from the other right. timeline, which is just very interesting to me. <laughs> Uh, and then s- some characters are just insane. There's P- Pip, I think that was like an experiment. Yep. Um, Starkey, the UFO. Uh, turnip. <laughs> it's just a giant turnip. <laughs> um, fungi, the mushroom. Um, they really went crazy with a lot of these characters. And 
like I said, unfortunately, a lot of them don't really have a whole lot to contribute. Yeah. Um, and but, it, you look like a lot of these, and it's like, did you really need, did you really need the turnip? Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, I... It's, it's fun to have a game where you could recruit a bunch of weird, interesting characters, but it suffer, the characters themselves suffer because there's just so many. Well, Soikoden did it right, because every character you recruit in Soikoden contributes to the overall story in some way. Because of the uh, keep that you always have in a Soikoden game. Yeah, and that that game does it great because it still focuses on, like, a central set of characters. Like, you can get all the weird different characters, but it still, like, says, okay, like, this, these generals and this main set of characters are still the focus. So Mm -hmm. it, it manages to, I guess, have its cake and eat it, too. Yeah, and even the interesting weird side characters, but most of the time are just... You know, characters in your keep that help you with something like tell your fortune or give you a mini game or whatever. Yeah, that they yeah. still feel like when you recruit them, they have significance right. versus this, um, which just seems like they made characters for the heck of it and just couldn't figure out a way to implement them or they didn't have the guts to cut cut them out. Yeah, um, and, and again, like because you can like switch out characters, uh, it. It means that, like, when story sequences, you know, these characters are going to be saying random lines, and it just, mm-hmm. the story just doesn't feel as cohesive. I mean, like we said, it's a lot of fun, but it could have been better, for sure, if they had mm-hmm. just really focused on a smaller number of characters. Because, it, um, like uh, Chrono Trigger, there are link attacks in this game, too, but because there are so many characters, good, good luck if you're ever oh, going to yeah. stum- stumble Jeez. on any of them. Um, some of them do make sense, like Nikki and Mickey have a link attack because those two characters are story-related, but if you have a favorite character and they're not story-related, I, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you if Poshul has a link attack with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, getting into the battle system, it, ha- it has a kind of a weird but neat battle system because you have... So you have a percentage, and you could do a light attack, a medium attack, or a heavy attack. And the more you kind of do that... I, I can't remember how it goes. I think the more attacks you do, the more the percentage either goes up or down. Am I... One of the two, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of the two. Basically, I think, it goes, I think it goes up. Okay. So basically, you're kind of incentivized to have a combo where you start out with a couple of light attacks to get the percentage up, and then you can switch to a medium attack, and then the heavy attack will be at 100%. Or you can risk it, try to open up with a heavy attack, but you're going to be less likely to hit if you try to open up like that. And right. it's important to rack up a bunch of combos because the more combos you rack up, the further you can go in your element grid. And your element grid is where you cast your spells from. Oh, at the beginning of the game, you like have... Well, I want to say it works kind of like D&D charges because you have different levels of the grid... And the more you do your manual attack, the more you can, the higher the level you can go. And then you equip the elements, and obviously more powerful elements are going to be higher, well, like up on the level eight and nine of the grid, versus the smaller, weaker elements, which are going to show up towards the like one and two and three slots. And you have more slots in the lower spots than you do the upper. And each character's element grid is entirely different. Um, 
it's it's kind of hard to explain. You really have to pull up a YouTube video to kind of look to see how it works. But it's also very strategic because um, just like in Chrono Trigger, um, each character kind of has a an affinity for the different elements that they're focused on. Um, like Surge's light affinity, so he primarily focuses on light elements. Uh, Blinks's dark affinity. Um, obviously, the two the affinities oppose each other, like fire and water, and earth and um, I think earth and wind oppose each other, and then light and dark. This actually does sound all like the battle system sounds like a prototype to Bot and Kaitos as well, because it's also focused on making combos and opposing yeah. elements that would cancel each other out if you tried to attack. Yeah, so, um, again, another tie to Bot and Kaitos. I mean, it, the only difference is that it's not card based; it's um, you just buy elements. Yeah, you, you you buy them, you find them. A lot of um, most of the characters have like a set uh, attack that's affinity based. That's like in their level two and level five slot. I want to say, and I think it varies from character to character. And different characters have different slots in their element grid. Grid, like for example, I'm looking at um, Harley's element grid and her. Lower level ones, she has seven slots, but then uh, the higher level ones, she only has five. Um, and this also ties into later uh, being able to summon the dragons. Mm. Well, let me rewind that a little bit. When you cast different elements, it makes the battlefield have the element of that spell. And there's three different levels of it. So if you, ca- for example, if you cast three fire spells, it's going to make the entire um, battlefield fire fire base so then your fire attacks are going to be more effective and you want that field to be that way because then you can use the powerful summons when you get the dragon to summons and that's where your like mega damage is going to come into play am i making sense makes sense to me though i've also played it (laughs) yeah and and they give you good tutorials for all of the stuff so you're not going to be thrown in blind and they really they ease you into the element system because at the beginning of the game you can only do like up to like level three i want to say um it's it sounds confusing but it makes a lot more sense than the story does mm mm-hmm and it's it's very intuitive and it's awesome to be able to uh you know, open up with a bunch of combos and then, then the next turn be able to whip out some of your magic spells and you can only cast certain elements like once a battle, but it resets at the end of battle. So you never have to worry about in Yeah. And you can nice. Yeah, and you can also go into the negative by casting elements, but because of that you're not gonna be able to do any physical attacks for a while because you've got to build back up your percentage. Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's it's neat. It's kind of like the whole bravely default. Yeah, I you read my mind. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking about when I said it out loud. Um, a proto bravely default. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's a lot of neat things in this battle system, and it can seem like almost deceptively simple when you first start playing it. But it's very deep, and there's a lot of ways to uh, properly make use of it. And, yeah, um, um, it's a lot of fun. You've you've got to know what characters have what characters have what affinities when you're fighting them, um, because if you go in with the wrong ones, you're not only going to get you know you're going to get your butt handed to you, and you're also not going to be able to do any damage. Um, I'm thinking of a particular fight, the Miguel fight. Oh my god, the Miguel fight. <laughs> That's where most people rage quit this game because that fight is so hard. 
and it really it kind of catches you off guard. Yeah, there's a lot of really hard fights in this game that kind of I'd say challenge you to see if you actually know what you're doing in the battle mm-hmm. system. Um, the Miguel fight is really kind of the wake up call. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, because he's got light attacks, and at that point, you're still Lynx, who is dark aligned, and he can just wreck you. Um, yeah, I'd say it can get a bit easier in some respects once you've got a bit more freedom as far as characters and exploring the and stuff. Cause you can, mm-hmm. If you know what you're doing, you can kind of start to go a bit crazy, but I mean. It, it takes a bit to really fully understand everything. And, uh, one nice thing about this battle system is you can run away from any fight, absolutely any fight. So if you are find yourself in a bad situation, maybe you're using the wrong party or misconfigured your party for a boss, you can just run away. And it, I, I it's mostly a pointless uh, touch, but I think it's pretty nice. No, I, I like being able to run away from a boss battle instead yeah. of having to just, you know, you know you're going to die. You, do, you duke, do you sit there and duke it out, or do you just reset? But then with, yeah. the case of, with the case of the Miguel fight, um, there's a very long cutscene beforehand. Yep. Um, uh, the graphics, we can quick, quick touch on the graphics, because um, when did this game come out? 1999? Or was it? I need to look that up. Ninety nine cents. It's uh, it's two thousand. It was August. Well, it was ninety nine in Japan, November eighteenth, nineteen ninety nine in Japan, North America, August fifteenth, two thousand. Okay. And I I I remember liking the graphics because unlike. Um, I, they were more, you know, more detailed than than some of the other games of the air. I felt mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed like there was all these different characters, but you know they they had decent three D models and, yeah. and the, the backgrounds weren't horrible. Um, <laughs> so I just yeah. say something for that time. It's a uh, um, rendered backgrounds, kind of like in Final Fantasy, the Final Fantasy games of the day. Um, decent I, character models. Everything is very colorful in this game. Um, I don't think I honestly don't think there's a dreary area in this entire game no. because even even places like the Dead Sea, like the colors just still pop. Um, the battlefields, I mean, they look a little a little drab, like PS One kind of drab, but it still looks pretty decent. And like we said, the character models, you know, they. They're blocky, but they have a lot of movement and a lot of personality to them. They, they certainly look better than the Final Fantasy VII one. Um, you could definitely tell that Square was kind of on their A game and knew how to wring all the power out of the PlayStation at this point in time. No, I'd say this and Final Fantasy really aged. Mm-hmm. And I also forgot this game doesn't have any levels pretty much when you... I mean, you quote-unquote level up, but it's mostly just your stats. Which sometimes I kind of like that because I worry too much about, you know, just how much the level actually affects everything. You know what I mean? Right. Um, the, 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 the spell effects are dazzling, especially later on when you get the uh, dragon summons. So so I'm looking up like, a, sorry if I made some typing, I swear I put this on mute and it's not on mute. But anyways, I was looking up some, some of the gameplay footage and I accidentally pulled up the tutorial and holy cow, it's like a library. Like the old man who's teaching you just won't shut the hell up. Mm-hmm. It's like minutes of tutorial. Yeah. But, 
Yeah, I but mean, anyways, but yeah, the graphics very colorful, very bright, and it's 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 something I remember to this day. Like I haven't played this since it originally came out. I haven't gone back and revisited it, uh, but I remember the graphics uh, being very bright and beautiful, like y'all said, and and it came through well, you know, like in the 3D battles um, as well as in the 2D art, and then the combat, you know, very as you guys were saying, it's very strategic, very fun. I I could never figure out what the hell's going on in the story, but it was just one of those games, like I've talked about before, like Grandia, where I just didn't care because I just wanted to get into another fight. Heck, mm-hmm. it even reminds me of what's that game called, Mister Epps? Oh, I know, Scarlet Graces, <laughs> which has a kick-ass combat system. Not much in the way of story. It's there, but honestly, I don't care because I just want to go and experiment more with the combat system and get new skills. and And that's the way it was with Chrono Crosses. You're building up a party. Uh, you get to, you, they give you lots of characters so you can pick the ones that you like uh, the most and mix them up with their elemental strengths and weaknesses and then as you're leveling them up and you're buying the, the spells you're, I, sp- I remember spending a lot of time I don't remember if it was necessarily figuring out which ones to equip and, and, and level up and, and to really maximize my, my character's potentials um, but uh, yeah with the field effect and the percent chances to hit you had a couple of moving pieces there um, with the light hits and the tough hits and and some of those spells like were more powerful of course the more you pumped into them so it was it was just a lot of fun kind of like you were uh kind of like um what you call it that ds game you guys were just talking about the d um uh, bravely, bravely default bravely default yeah just just that got that kind of level of of strategy but more so you know i just felt like it was even deeper than that yeah, you, and I I'm got a video up right now, and I'm kind of looking. You have um, stamina, and the more you do, the more stamina you lose. So you can kind of whiff on a couple of turns to build up your stamina, and then you do a bunch of really good hits, or you could try to do a summon, but that's going to put your stamina in the negative. And yeah, that that I love battles that have a risk reward kind of system where. You know, basically just go for a Hail Mary at the end. Um, yeah. Hope that you make it. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe they kind of harvested a little bit of this for Octopath Traveler. Could be. Because even that had a similar. And yeah, as I said earlier, this sounds like it's uh, a pre, at least spelling off partially into Bot and Kaitos, or at least inspired that uh, battle system despite being based off of cards. Well, I mean, everything is better once you're adding. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> See, yeah. I wasn't on the Bat, Bat and Kaito's podcast, so I didn't get a chance to, to bitch about the uh, double boss fight where you fight the exact same boss twice in a row. Uh, it's that called now? Double Your Pleasure, Double oh, Your that Fun. The, wait, is that where you fight the three of them? Uh, yeah. Okay, so that was um, Giacomo, Amy, and uh, Fallon or something. Yeah, that was my that was my wake up call, boss, but. I, I digress. <laughs> um, anyway, back to Chrono Cross. Um, see, we talked about the we talked about the characters. We music talked about music. So good. Oh, the music is amazing. I like the music. Again, Especially Scars of Time is amazing. Scars of Time. I listen to that all day. Um, I like the. I think it's it's either the home world or the another world music. That's very kind of somber with a violin. Piece to it. I think that's another word. I think okay. That, like a friendlier. Yeah. But, um, my husband has that one on his playlist. And he, he plays that one and the theme that plays during the concert all the time with the guitar bit. So good. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, that did the soundtrack uh, for this game as opposed to both him and um, uh, Uematsu. Yeah, um, the battle theme. Oh my god, I could listen to that battle theme all day. Um, very Celtic inspired. Um, a lot of the music in this game is kind of Celtic inspired because inspired because that first town you go to has kind of an Irish jig. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this soundtrack is is amazing. I was listening to it before the podcast just to kind of refresh my memory. Yeah, actually, I first heard uh, "Scars of Time" in a in a in a video games live concert. I don't quite remember. I went to went to at least two or three of them, and uh, I, was, I actually hadn't known much about the game except for the title before then, and I was blown away by way by the performance. Mm-hmm. Really awesome. Phil, did you have any songs that stuck out in particular? Oh, I'm good. <laughs> I I I'm not very good at remembering. Like, and if I start humming it, I'm so tone deaf it'll just make what three listeners we have run away in horror and fear. Yeah. Um, but it was just, no, it's just, there are a couple songs that stick in my head that I'll probably look up and, you know, stick whatever into the, in, you know, after the show or whatever. But it, yeah, no, it's really good. I, the sound, the, the, the graphics for it. Like you, you guys know, you've listened to me long enough, you know, I am not a fan of, of PlayStation one era graphics, but uh, but the and especially since I think with the 3D polygon graphics, um, they just you can have really good art style, but it's just really hard to make that come through when you've got such low res textures and a few polygons to work with. But they, uh, you know, with the 2D backgrounds that you've seen in a lot of the, the Final Fantasy games of that era, but even with the with the battle graphics, they they really made the most of it, and it was just one of the few PlayStation One era games that stick out in my mind as you know graphically being admirable. Uh, but then the music sticks in your head, and the combat system's really good, and I still don't know what the hell happened in this story. You guys sat there and tried to explain it to me, and I didn't even drink tonight. I wish I did, because then maybe it would make sense, because it still doesn't make sense. We could almost call this episode wibbly-wobby-timey-wimey, because that's exactly yeah. what that uh, timeline is. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah, I'm not right? sure it even makes too much sense to who are the story. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really sure. But you know, as 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 Mr. Rapp said, uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter. You're there for a fun romp, a fun adventure. Uh, some weird stuff's going to happen, but hey, it's just some of that stuff is just really cool anyway. So who cares? And and the combat system's really good. And and you know, there's there's definitely some characters in there that I just I don't care about the walking mushroom. <laughs> but but there's other characters in there that that just look cool that I can kind of relate with their attitude. I threw them in the party and just made made made, made a part of my favorite people and just I actually got through the whole entire game, which is which is saying something because I normally don't finish a lot of games. Uh, I'll tell you what, and Square, if you're listening, because I know you listen to us, I, I've got an idea you can have for free. Put this one, make repeat this one like you did Final Fantasy VIII and Seven, and put it on uh, the Switch with fast forward and um, um, whatever cheat cheat things that you had with those games, and you'd probably make a pretty penny because I'd play through it again if I could, you know, do the fast forwarding. I mean, the, crap, the game even had that when you beat the game and did a new game plus. Print that so I would money. actually like to try. Yeah, I actually like to. I would like to try this game that I've heard. Uh, explain a bit more like it sounds confusing but i would at least like to experience it yeah i i mean i would but know that you're going to be confused with the story and that the battles do have a learning curve yeah i think I, what it turns I'm some sure, people i'm off sure the button yeah i could get play button kai this is battle system i imagine this wouldn't be too bad 
Yeah, I think I don't think you'd have anything, but I think just the things a lot of people this game is just if you go into this expecting like this little sequel, you're going to be disappointed because <laughs> as a sequel, it's uh, awful. Yeah, it, it's um, bad. But it, Chris, as its own as its own game, it's very very. Good. Um, and Chris, I, I, sorry, I don't, I don't mean to keep cutting you off. I thought you were done. No, uh, I, was, I was just going to say I I almost wish they they had just cut out all the Chris Levitt own game. But, oh, no. it, it needed to be its own game. And, yeah. like, um, famously, Chris Privetier on RPG Cast hates this game because he says that it just undoes everything that Chrono Trigger tried to do. Even the game says, you monster, you ruined our happy ending at one point. <laughs> yeah, so it, they, it is pretty yeah. evil to the original cast. Oh, Oh, you know what? I, I, so, so I, I, I'm afraid that our our my, our normal co-host Mike Minky wasn't able to make it. However, <laughs> however, I can act as his voice here. <clears throat> this game is horrible. <laughs> okay, it's not horrible, but it misses the mark. Uh, so, so Mike uh, actually did a retro review for this game uh, about. A decade ago, and almost a decade now, uh, and he gave it a 2.5 out of 5. Uh, yeah, he said the battles are unique and interesting, which we discussed. Uh, top-tier musical score and visual, so far him and I are in agreement. Tons of replay incentive, just like Trigger, okay? But on the negatives, managing inventory elements is time-consuming drudge work. I, I do remember that taking a bit of time. Disrespects Chrono Trigger, its source material, and enemies don't play by the same rules the player does. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like we said, it does disrespect Chrono Trigger, but that's bar- that's barely there. Like the ties to Chrono Trigger are very slight. I mean, I feel that this the way about this game, like I feel about um, the Final Fantasy Thirteen trilogy, and that I just treat them all like separate games. Yeah. Yeah. If you treat this as a completely separate game, I think that's what's what's really interesting is is you look at the reviews for this game and they're either way super high or you, you got some that are mediocre or less. You know, and, and a lot of it has to do with I think sometimes some of those people looking trying to get the same thing. Uh, you know, from the old game, um, and when you look at this as a sequel, then it it, fa- it falls well short. If you look at it as a, as its own separate saga like experience, <laughs> Thank you. yeah, I have to keep getting those plugs in there, Mike. Uh, then then I think you find you find a real a real gem in there. There's so many good elements. I think the good outweighs the bad here, which is yeah. I mean, those, those negatives Mike list outside of the story, as far as the inventory management's clunky. I mean, it's a, it's also a product that's error, so the combat, I mean, everything just feels slow. I, I didn't get to try that new Game Plus where it speeds it up. Sounds awesome, because I, I do remember there being some drudge work and some some slowness to it. Um, I think but, it's faster than a lot of games of that era, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, I mean, some of those games back then were super snaily slow. Um, that, that That's why a lot of those Final, Final Fantasy Nine. holy shizballs, you talk about patience. I forgot um, how get I forgot how oh, slow that game was. Oh man, I I tell you what, I hate paying for games already. I, I still got every Final Fantasy on the original disc sitting right in there, and I've got and then I bought them on a PSN store on the PSP, which are basically just emulations. Mm-hmm. So I really don't want to buy those Final Fantasy games again. But I'm telling you, boys and girls, if I go back and play seven through nine, I will pony up the fifteen to twenty bucks just to play those games and fast forward. Especially nine. 
Oh, or an eight. Uh, I, I think I think that money is worth it for those versions because they're more accessible. Yeah, especially on the Switch. But yeah. um, also just kind of some of the quality of life features. I like that and the Fantasy Star Sega Ages versions. I am all for the people making RPGs from yesteryear more accessible to more people. People people that grew up with this stuff and just don't have the time for 60-hour romps anymore and want want to experience the game again but not, you know, have to devote an entire month to it. Almost as if they have a life. Than, yeah, it's probably cheaper than doing a full remake a la, like Shadows of Valencia. Mhm. <laughs> Now, Stuart Bishop, who was a member of our staff way back when the foundation of the website was being laid out, uh, gave it a 10 out of 10. I'd RP Gamer. That's when we still had a 10-point scale. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like I said, very, very defensive and just kind of depending. Uh, we have another reviewer, Simon Seyman, who gave it a 3 out of 5. So, just very, very divisive. But I, I think it was a fun experience. I, I really did. And I enjoyed. Probably will vary. Yeah, and I love Chrono Trigger. Absolutely, think Chrono Trigger is an absolute gem. I love it. It's very memorable and and everything else. But enjoy Chrono Cross for what it is—a separate experience. So you'll have a good time. This is 
blast from the recent past. Where we usually talk about a game that came out like two years ago, but for whatever gosh darn reason, in my notes we have listed uh, our game we have listed today is uh, is five years or more, depending on which release you're talking about. So I'm not sure how I end up on the list, but it's such an, an interesting little side story, and that's what the segment's about. So I, I felt like we could we should talk about Class of Heroes 2G. This was uh, originally released by well, wait, Monkey Paw, Monkey Paw, so developed by. A quiet, was it a who? Okay, you know more than I do. Who developed this? Okay, that I'm not sure. Okay. I just know that the Monkey's Paw Games was the one that was localizing. Uh, localizing. Okay, okay. So the notes here says developed by Acquire or Zero Dev, uh, and then published. Well, that might have been the original published by Atlas. Maybe the yeah. Let me see here. Anyways, whatever. It, it came out. It, it came out originally on the PSP uh, in Japan, June 24th, uh, 2009. And uh, and and a Kickstarter project was initiated by Monkey Paw Games and Gaijin Works to fund the localization and the production of a limited edition type of deal. It didn't quite uh, hit their goals, but they went ahead and did it anyways. Uh, and it came out on the PlayStation Network a number of years later, um, as well as 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 you know whoever got their two hundred physical copies. Did I get a physical? I don't. I don't. Don't, it, I don't remember. I think it was like 2,000 physical comp- copies, and it was a, an exceedingly low print run because they basically just took pre-orders for it and published, published a batch based off of those pre-orders, and this was pre-limited run games. Yeah. Uh, so, and I got in on some of this. I I was, uh, I got a number of monkey feelings. Anywho, whole point is, uh, you know, there was... Um, uh, there was some problems with it on release, and they had to do some 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 bug fixes and stuff. Uh, anywho, so so this is a dungeon crawler, and if you're not familiar with the first game, Class of Heroes, which we've talked about many shows ago, uh, it is the spiritual successor to the Wizardry games, and it's kind of ironic because, and I felt like this was also a good tie into the fact that Wizardry: Labyrinth of Lost Souls has recently released on uh, on Steam and GOG on the PC. That is originally a, P- a PlayStation 3 game. Uh, I've mentioned my feelings on that before, and after I spent some more time with the PC version, rest assured, <laughs> my feelings are forthcoming on a future episode of the RPG Backtrack. Uh, but Class of Heroes uh, was another shoot-off of the Wizardry series, because Japan takes their dungeon crawler seriously. And and oh my gosh, uh, the the classic heroes games look so cute. They they look, they look so cute, but they they make wizardry games look like freaking Care Bear games now. Exactly. <laughs> Do not let the packaging fool you. When you see these cutesy anime characters, and you're looking at screenshots of the monsters, and they look like mangaized uh, versions of of uh, classic monsters. They look kind of cute. Oh no, boys and girls, because underneath of that pretty uh exterior is the heart and soul of the hardest wizardry games and i'm not talking like wizardry 8 no we're going back to like wizardry 5 and 6 it's it's some tough crap uh it is it is very very thick you've just in the character creation alone you are going to want to go to an faq and you're going to be reading for a while to put together not the perfect party just a compatible party that doesn't hate each other's guts because they got different races and different alignments that like each other and stuff. Uh, and, and, and so you got to know what you're getting into. Or you could actually screw yourself up right there at character creation. 
It, it's great. Yep. One of the really cool things about this, it also came out uh, on the PlayStation 3, and, 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 and it's pretty much the exact same game. But what's really neat is you can use your PSP as a controller, and it essentially works like a second screen. This is what I wanted out of the Wii U forever. The idea that Mm -hmm. I could do like a dungeon crawler or an RPG and have my party management or my auto map and my things on the bottom screen while keeping my dungeon and the graphics of what I'm doing completely free of all that clutter, right? Mm-hmm. And, and this actually, they they had they they had actually did this with the with the PSP's compatibility uh, with with uh, with the with the PlayStation Three. It probably works, you know, uh, with the Vita as well through the PSP compatibility thing. It isn't super awesome in terms of it. You know, there's some lag and, and things like that. But since this isn't really a first person shooter or anything along those lines, uh, it, it's really not a, a big deal. It was actually. Kind of, kind of cute to have that information down there on the bottom screen, like your character's info and stuff like that, monster stats. It was pretty neat. For I just, I just, you know, it was just. <laughs> of course, you play Etrian Odyssey, you get that all the time. So <laughs> on your DS, yeah. Um, I thought that was kind of neat. That physical copy thing was crazy, man, because you would pre-order that in, like, March or April. I remember being um, on vacation when that pre-order link opened up and, like, doing my pre-order at a rest stop on their Wi-Fi. And you wait and wait and go to Gaijin Works' forum and... You know, Victor Ireland himself is on there giving answers and stuff and getting pissy with people who are understandably being impatient. And then you find out that, oh, the game got delayed, or the physical release got delayed because there was a huge bug and they need to release a patch. And, you know, patches cost money and they want to make sure that they get, like, the final, final, final version printed on the UMD slash disc. And then, you know, sometime in October, you get your um, physical game and you'll, it had, like, really cool... The ship, they put really cool artwork on the shipping box. But the problem is that if you have a community mailbox like I did, um, the mailman, like, crunched the box to get it in the community mailbox. And Ew, bad a lot mailman. Of, well, bad mailman, but, but bad uh, company for, you know, making this really cool-looking box as the shipping box. And, you know, not if you're going to do that, not making it like a box within a box or something. So, my box got mangled. I ended up throwing it away. I'm probably going to regret it if that becomes a collector's item, too. Yeah, you know, um, they, and, they, and, and Summer Nights 5 or 6, I've got that box sitting right here because that's how Gaijin works. My, my physical copy of that was in a very pretty box. Mm-hmm. See, I, I didn't get my Summer Night 6 for, or my, I think it was either Summer Night 6 or 5. I didn't get that from Gaijin Works. I got that from Amazon because at that point I was just sick of Gaijin Works, Works shit because, you know, it really almost kind of came off as a little bit shady, their business model, um, especially with the delays and the not transparent information. And yeah, and I remember their Kickstarter being kind of iffy to like the hundred dollar level you would get a random plushie like uh, not a set plushie a random random. and and it wasn't the you know i'll tell you with summer nights they they do have a little bit of 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 a dark past here with uh, a little off track but it's the same summer nights five i think it was so i was Mm -hmm. so excited but it got delayed it got delayed i finally got it i started playing it and i ran into a game stopping bug 
And at first I thought it was just kind of me, and then I did different things to try to get around it, but the game, it, it kept me from like either saving it or reloading the save properly, or wouldn't let me ask the access certain character skills, whatever. It was really weird. It was pretty frustrating, and 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 I was tweeting. I was like, guys, and he couldn't get them to follow up, couldn't get any answers, couldn't get anything. And it took like a good month or two before they kind of came out and said, okay, this is a thing, and we got a patch coming. And it's like, well, could you acknowledge that before? Because you took my money like three months ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and there was, it's just, it was pretty, yeah, pretty frustrating. I mean, it was pretty nice once I finally got it all, but uh, but then I couldn't play it for a while. And then I, I think the way I have to play it is I can't even play the hard copy. I think I have to download the game off the network still, which kind of voids having the hard copy. So, yeah, they they got a bit of a history with me, too. Yeah, and that was also a little bit frustrating because I know with the PS3 version of Class of Heroes, well, no, the PSP version, they gave you a download code in your email for free but when you ordered it, and then you got the physical copy in the mail, and I kept mine in the shrink wrap. Well, the um, PS3 version, they didn't do that. They had the download code in the box, so I had to rip open my box to even get my download code, which, you know, I find kind of irritating. And, yeah... I, I looked at their website while, while we was talking about it, and they uh, last blog post was 2017, I want to say. Mm. So they really haven't, they really kind of fell off the map a little bit. Getting, uh, yeah, getting back to the game, it, it, but, it, you know, it's deep, it's complicated. If, if you really, really miss that old school wizardry and for some odd reason you think wizardry labyrinth of dark souls <laughs> i don't know why you think this is <laughs> just not a great game but you want something to scratch that itch uh you, you know it's still on the playstation network on the playstation 3 it is an asking price of 45 dollars, which is a little hard to swallow for a game that's been out now for five years um but it is a very deep dungeon crawler our very own glenn wilson had uh reviewed both this game and its predecessor and uh, gave one a four and the other one a a 3.5 and god bless his heart for actually getting through these games because these these are some toughens but if you played entry and odysseys and you love those uh and and you feel like you could use a little bit more depth and challenge to your dungeon crawler you really owe it to yourself to give this one give this one a try now if you have your heart set on (laughs) the physical copies uh, I swear I'm going to tell I, I did look it up. I have the PlayStation 3 disc, and I think that came with the digital code that allowed me to download it on my Vita or PSP um, as well. But um, uh, you you can get, like, the PSP, the hard copy of that one. I see it on eBay for $55. Uh, there is a PlayStation... Looking for the play, I thought I saw PlayStation Three edition for like fifty to sixty bucks. Here's another one for seventy-five bucks. But I know our listeners deserve the best. Our listeners want—that's <laughs> what Mike would say. Um, our listeners want the kick rare Kickstarter UMD edition, new in the box with a matching certificate of authentication, and it can be yours for the low, low price. Of two hundred forty-nine dollars and ninety-nine cents. Wow! I don't even know where my certificate of authentication went. <laughs> you should find it. It's worth a few hundred bucks. <laughs> just, just, it's a two hundred for a slip of paper. Yeah, for a little slip of paper. I I don't know because you can get 
I mean, you could even get uh, new mint versions of this game for ah. Uh, here's another one for a hundred bucks. Oh no, this one, this one, it's new sealed, has certificate. Huh? I think you can get it for a hundred bucks. I don't know why this guy's asking for two fifty when I got another one here for a hundred. Unless these guys get bad reviews. But anywho, it is regardless of how you go about it, it looks like the minimum you're going to pay is 45 bucks, and it, it goes up from there depending on what, whether or not you want the hard copy or not. Um, boy, I'm going to say I have to get the first game. I'll put that in the free. Uh, but oh, anywho. Oh, oh, I have to say is God bless limited run games for making this whole limited release model a lot less shady. Yeah. A lot more customer friendly. Yes, thank you. Because back then it was a bit of the Wild West trying to get that stuff released. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I thought that was a little cool piece of history. And again, if you like if you like your Dungeon Crawlers nice, hard, and old school, uh, I think you might be a little bit more tempted by this than more recent offerings that are hitting the market. Uh, we're going to go ahead. I mean, unless, of course, you got 3DS, and then you keep playing um, Etrian Odyssey game. knows you have plenty to pick from. Uh, okay, we're going to take a break, and we'll come right back to wrap this up with the final lap. This is uh, the final lap where we read your comments, except no one sent us anything on our very explicative-laden episode 215, Captain Diabetes. I am I, surprised somebody, I guess probably maybe somebody wrote back some explicative back and it got caught by the filter. Um, but anywho, uh, yes, you can leave your comments. Just go to our latest show or hit us up at Twitter. And we'll talk about our Twitter handles at the end. We're always happy to read your thoughts and questions on the air. And, hey, I want to remind everybody that this show is brought to you by RPGamer.com, your source for news reviews and everything else uh, RPG-related. If you head on over there, we do have our Best of the 2019 Awards. 
it cracked me up. I, I contributed, like, two Kingdom Hearts blurbs to that. And then later on down the line, it got third for most disappointing. <laughs> and, uh, like, I, my blurbs were all positive, and then somebody called it the most disappointing, and it's like, oh, I see where you're coming from, Ryan. <laughs> and and you know and and you know that we're the best site on earth because 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 a saga game won best battle system of the year so that that's where you know that's how you know the quality mm-hmm. the that that's in that in our judgments there so you need to go and check it out it's it's that good um, but yeah go and check out the awards go and check what we thought about our 2019 games of which I had very little to contribute because as we all know I played all of two 2019 games uh, anywho same here same here yeah just I'm, I always feel guilty every time those things roll around and I'm just like I hate my head low because I don't play very many modern games uh, but I, so everything I put down for every single genre was Iceborne 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 because it was you know the, the one new game I had played anyways uh, if you head on over there you'll also see we have oh we have all kinds of articles including a deep look at a game called Dauntless I don't know who wrote that but it sounds like a very smart young man uh, you'll want to go and check out his thoughts on Dauntless if you're into monster hunter type games um, but we also got a lot of cool news going over there. Very excited about Thronebreaker, The Witcher Tales coming to the Switch, or it's already on the Switch. So uh, that's pretty neat. Also excited to find out about Torchlight Frontiers being rebranded. I may not have been the biggest fan of the idea of another MMOARPG. Uh, I like Torchlight the way it is, so I will be there to buy a copy myself. But you can find out more details over at rpgamer.com. Let's do our roundtable. What are you guys working on? What are you playing? What gets you all excited? Mr. Apps. Uh, well, I have a long-delayed review Alliance Live, and you should get up at some point. Listen. Is that the PC the... version, or like we're going like way back to the, the no, DS the Switch version? version. Uh, Switch, okay. Switch version, okay. Yeah, but uh, if you listen to me at all, you know I love the game, so it'll be positive. But uh, yeah, at some point that will finish. Uh, um, yeah. Not to spoil your review, but how much better is the Switch version compared to the DS? Uh, it's mostly the same game. It's just like the graphics are. Okay, I I didn't know if they had like added like little quality of life, like uh, speed up battles or. No. That, I'm sorry, that was already in the game. Um. Uh, yeah, I can't remember if that was in the original, but. Okay. Um. Yeah. I might I might wait for a price drop on that. My only my only knock is is just to add anything. So if you're uh-huh. one of the cool people that played the 3DS version, uh, you get nothing. <laughs> you get nothing. He's like Willy Wonka. You get hey, nothing. <laughs> you get nothing. Yeah, but I mean, oh. it was it was a super late 3DS game. Okay, so okay, I, Mike. I, all I care about is how does it compare to Scarlet Graces? Because that's my standard. Um, not the Scarlet Graces. They get nothing. No money from me. <laughs> I'll put. I get on sale. I'm just joking. Yeah, I, I like it all. That Q and A quest stuff. Uh, in addition to that, I've been a little streaming three. The one I have not beaten, and I need to be- do it. Do it. Yeah. Beat it. But I mean, other than that, baby, life is busy. I'm tired. So. Oh, I I forgot you had a new level one human. Yes. So if anyone's wondering where the hunt is, yeah, that's coming. Do it. No. Do it all. No, that's why I let you go. That's why I let you go first, so you could uh, hit the hay if you needed to. Yeah. But yeah, um, uh, we'll we'll get back to some monstering eventually. Just. What what number kid is this now? Three. Uh, God bless your heart. <laughs> I I just. Gosh, I'm not even brave enough to have one. I can't even imagine three. 
Yeah, um, well, we're good I'm, now. I'm sure they entertain <laughs> okay. each other. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> no, the, yeah, the older kids are great. I mean, I play playing uh, Mario Wii with my son and daughter, so that's great. <laughs> that's adorable. I'm, I'm sorry, game, gaming dads just melt my heart. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, just a quick little trivia question, uh, Mike. Uh, you know, what uh, type of uh, monster does Monster Hunter 4 have that Dauntless doesn't? Uh, all of them? Because have any monsters that are actually interesting? You know, I'm right. Uh, but uh, arachnids. It doesn't have gigantic, huge queen arachnids who wrap you up in webs and cocoons and then proceed to, to, to poison and eat you. Isn't that a plus for Dauntless, though? I, I hate spiders. It is really creepy. We're just, you guys were just sitting there talking. I'm like, oh, it's time to go fight. What the motherfucker is that? Oh, my gosh. I almost my gosh, I almost fell on my chair. It's a huge-ass spider. It's really big, Mike. Yeah. I, I don't want them to bring that to Monster Hunter World because I don't want to see that rendered in, like, high-fidelity Oh, HD. my gosh. Like, would, no, thank, could, no, thank you. Could you, could you imagine? <laughs> Good. This thing is brutally scary. Anyways, we digress. Anything else, Mike? Uh, I mean, that's about it. I've been trying to fi- finally finish up Xenoblade Saga 2. Uh, I have no idea when the remaster... I want to be done with 2 before a lot of Announced that. even a window for that yet. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, I've been pretty exhausted nights of late, so I've just been playing that or anything. Anything that doesn't require a lot of focus. Um, that's actually good you're finishing up Xenosaga 2 because um, that's eligible for a backtrack this year. Do, 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 do. That all, was that? Did that come out 2017? Yeah, oh, I'm pretty sure. So behind. Well, it's, well, tw- it's 2018 now, Mike, because it's 2020. Well, I mean, it's not like I didn't get that far. My save had 55 hours, so I definitely Wait. played a lot of it. We're not Xenosaga 2, Xenoblade 2. Why did I put in Xenosaga? <sighs> you know, have I told you this thing's got a lot of legs? It's just, it's it's really... Uh, it's, I, I lost count after six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if that's a Japanese day, but December 1st, 2017? Yeah, that's right. Okay, I didn't know if it was or not. That, that was a weird one for me because I got it for Christmas, so I played it in January. So in my brain, it's a 2018 game. Yeah. I still haven't played it. <laughs> But I mean, I, I played a ton of it, but then like the explosion of Switch games started to happen, and oh was, yeah, shiny colors, shiny colors, shiny colors. Yeah, I think that year was when the Switch just exploded. But I mean, that's that's been a great game for me to play right now because I like in a Zen mode in that combat system of extra brilliant power. You know, people say that the 3DS doesn't have detailed 3D graphics, but I see drool dripping off of this thing's mandibles. <laughs> Poisonous drool. It's disgusting. Alrighty. Anything else, Mr. Mike? Uh, I feel like there's something else. Um, I've played a lot of Slay the Spire. Spire's awesome. Oh, that's such a good game. So good. Yeah, it's so good. They just added a new class to that for free, I think. Or did I have to pay? Uh, now I'm going to look it up. Because it, it comes with three classes, and each one of them is so different from each other. Um, they each have their, their uh, you know, cards that they just have access to. Um, and, 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 and I swear it just came out with a new class, a fourth class. Steam says it's over 51,000 reviews, overwhelmingly positive, 97% thumbs up. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. But I'll, I'll find out about that uh, that class in a minute. I don't want to hold other people up. Uh, I was just going to say I also beat Pokemon's Shield a long ago. I absolutely love that game. So Did you catch them all? No, I have no. I did that once. I'm never doing it again. Do it. <laughs> just, just do it. Do no. It. It's actually not that hard in that game. I did it. Mm-hmm. You can do it. Uh, here we go. Trading. Slay the Spire patch 2.0. The Watcher brings us new cards, relics, potions, balance changes, we work reworks, bug fixes, performance improvements, and last but not least, a fourth character, namely uh, the. Uh, what the hell is that word? Eponymous? Watcher? The Watcher. Let's just say The Watcher. I'm going to paste this in here because I'm sure one of the ladies who actually read at higher than a fifth grade level can tell me what that word is. Eponymous? Eponymous. Yeah, sure. And what in the hell does it mean? Something that gives it its name. Oh. So, like, the Chrono Trigger, the eponymous item called the Chrono Trigger. Ah, okay, well, there you go. Uh, so, The Watcher, uh, a fourth class. So, that's super exciting. Uh, just such a fun game and they're throwing that in for free i would have paid three to five bucks for another character easy that's that's not on the console versions yet though i have no idea i'm a pc gamer at heart so yeah oh oh, and if you if you are a game pass person it is on game pass right oh my gosh that's a no-brainer download it now so good good times okay pokemon good times don't, don't, don't let random things you've read on the internet turn you away. It's a Pokemon game. The internet says it sucks. I even like hops, so there you go. There you go. Uh, okay, who's next? Oh, Mike can go next. Well, um, I've been working on some secret games that I can't talk about because it's going to burn material for a future show. A, a future show in particular, as in like the next show that we're probably going to record. <laughs> yeah. But um, luckily I have other stuff I've been playing because I downloaded the Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind DLC um, Friday night because I realized that, man, I don't have a lot to do between now and April when the Final Fantasy 7 remake comes out, which is going to eat up all of my time. So I'm, I'm going to download the Remind DLC and it kind of assumes that you are max level and uh, got the ultimate weapon in that game and I didn't do that because I got really mad at the mini games so <laughs> I started trying to complete the mini games in Parts 3 and I, I guess like letting it sit for a year let me get some zen or something because I managed to beat most of them pretty easily and get the high score that I need and I just need to go um, do the sled race in Frozen and find all the treasures and that will be my last piece of um, or Calium Plus to build the ultimate weapon and then I can go take out some of the high level bosses of and the then DLC. you can let it go Yes, I... Hey, hey, I want to do... A, since you brought it up, I do want to do a quick plug for the Broadway uh, version of that song. It is, in my opinion, a bit better than a movie. And then they've got another song that's just in the Broadway that you can listen to on Spotify or YouTube or whatever. Um, uh, it's, it's called uh, I'm, You're a Mo- I'm a Monster. Monster. Monsters, just look up Monster and Frozen comes right up. It actually adds so much depth to that character. Oh my gosh, uh, whatever her name is. I should probably know her name. But Elsa? it's really good. Uh, Isn't it Elsa? Is she the one who makes all the yeah. ice? Yeah, 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 there you go. Yeah, yeah. Elsa. Yeah, it really, she goes through some bit of dark thoughts if you're listening to the words of the song. It totally makes sense in the context of the story and makes the story a little bit more mature as a result. And, but but not so not so much so that a kid would be like freaked out. 
So I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I always joke with people that there's only one Let It Go in my mind, and it's by Def Leppard, not by Frozen. <laughs> but I, but I, I'm also a huge classic rock fan, so take what I say with a hefty grain of salt. But, um, yeah, so playing Kingdom Hearts 3, hopefully for a, like, when it qualifies for Backtrack next year, uh, the final final exam of Kingdom Hearts 101, because we still are planning a Kingdom Hearts 102 episode. Um, this year at some point where I can talk about Birth by Sleep and the DS games. Um, yeah, Kingdom Hearts is like one of those ones just like Chrono Cross where it's like, the story is all over the place, infusing, and let me just have my colorful Disney worlds and Final Fantasy characters who come back in the DLC. Because I, I think people kind of complained that they didn't show up at all in the uh, in the actual Kingdom Hearts 3. Mm-hmm. Um Oh yeah, I'm ha- I'm having fun with that. Um, I started up WoW again because patch 8.3 came out, and that's where like actual story stuff is happening. Um, if you read my Twitter at all, I'm kind of in love with Rathion right now because they grew him up and they made his adult character model actually very sexy. So um, all sorts of dirty jokes and fan art <laughs> well not dir- not dirty fan art i'm not brave enough to do that but um, <laughs> f- funny screenshots and i did some fan art and yeah um i was also telling talk to you, talking to you on discord about how they had added the volpera race to the game which is basically reskin goblins but they look like fox people and i'm playing a, a volpera mage right now named star Paws, who's very cute yeah, I think it's a it's just a, a quick a quick segue aside there just to tell everybody, remind everybody, we do have a really awesome Discord community. Uh, all that information is over on our website, rpgamer.com, when you click on the community tab. And yeah, if you're a part of that, you can join us on uh, on some of our verbal conversations like that, where we sat around chit-chatting about World of Warcraft. Uh, we won't talk about the other thing we talked about because it was a little depressing, but everything else was really cool. <laughs> Yeah, no, we um we hang out Friday night sometimes and have a voice channel and all of us hang out and I've I've talked with some very interesting people thus far and I've freaked some others out. I can't remember what we was talking about Saturday night last week that someone was like, "Okay, bye." And was well, I did. I scared. I scared uh, on the next night. I came on. I think it was the next night when I came on, and I was so excited because I had unlocked the uh, the turkey. The, the the turkey leg weapon oh, and yeah. monster hunter oh you were there okay and i scared off the newbie and yeah, yeah and that was sad uh, i didn't mean to scare him up but i'm telling you the turkey leg is real i'm not crazy see i thought i scared somebody off with the questionable anime statues i was posting to make anna laugh oh but well, that'll do it well- well, just non sequitur. I've been trying to pick up all of the Final Fantasy VIII boxed figurines or boxed action figures that came out when that game came out because I found one for fairly cheap at a um, used game store, and I was like, I wonder how much these all go for. And turns out that because that game wasn't as popular, they really aren't as pricey as the Final Fantasy VII ones. So I've got a Questus on the way, and because I've been looking at all these anime figures, eBay thinks, well, surely you like these really perverted ones, right? <laughs> and look, I'm like, no, not really. They're kind of creepy looking, but okay, they're good for a laugh. <laughs> 
But yeah, th- that's all I've really been up to. Like I said, I can't really talk about some of the stuff because I don't want to burn material for future backtracks. But let's let's just say I gave a I gave a game another chance, and I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, I think that sounds fair. Well, who else? Uh, I know somebody hasn't gone. Oh, hey, uh, by the way, Mike, you still there? No, he went on mute. Okay, all right, he's not there. Go ahead. Okay, I guess that's uh, my turn then. So the site i did contribute a few pieces to the uh to rp to game of the year uh but i've only played two games that actually came out last year fire emblem three houses and pokemon so mm-hmm. they're up there go check them out uh, as far as gaming um i finished uh, pokemon shield some time ago I was finishing up the pokedex but uh recently Home Pokemon Home, which is going to be the replacement for Pokemon Bank, where you can store your Pokemon. Plus, there are lots of other extra features, including where they apparently put the the GTS, which is the uh, global trading system from previous games. Instead of including it into Sword and Shield, they're putting it in there. Whatever, I'm still going to end up paying for that so I can store my Pokemon and I can get the last ones I'm missing from my Pokedex so I don't have to bother people. Okay, I'm super, super confused here. If I capture a Pokemon... Mm-hmm. Don't doesn't he just get saved in the uh, like in the Pokeball and then if I get a lot of Pokeballs I save it in the shop or something? It's well, it's it's expanded storage so that you can have more Pokemon storage than the game because I think the game only has like thirty pages in the box or something small like that. Yeah. That and I have what ha, like I have Pokemon from back in the original versions of Ruby and Sapphire that I've kept with me for well over a decade at this point, and mm-hmm. I've just amassed them into there because I'm insane, apparently. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So I want to keep. I want to keep them with me. They are currently in a an older program called Pokemon Bank, where I had them stored. All right, all right. So I'm super confused. I, I got like follow up questions. Do, is there enough storage in the game by itself that I can catch them all? Oh, yes. 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 Uh, but okay. if you have 10 plus years of Pokemon from third generation up until currently, then no, you won't. Plus, you can't transfer them anyway. You catch, yeah, because they don't, they don't have like every single one from the past, Yeah, yeah, right? they don't have every single And plus, yeah, home is how I can catch them all. Since there is no national decks in Sword and Shield, I'll have it there because I do want to catch them all. Sorry, apps. So on <laughs> this on this home thing, then it, it, it talks to all of the older games and registers it, it them. Talks, it talks to Be- Pokemon Bank, and Pokemon Bank was the program on the 3DS where you could transfer all of the Pokemon from the pr- previous games. Sort of. Okay, so let me just break this down. If you do want to trade something from the old version, the GBA, Ruby, and Sapphire and Emerald, plus like the the, the Fire Red League three remakes. Mm-hmm. You could take those and put it into a DS system because you need the Game Boy sl- the Game Boy slot. Right. Transfer those Pokemon to Diamond and Pearl, and then uh. you take the Diamond and Pearl and take two DSs. I think you can use three DSs as well, and transfer between Diamond and Pearl and Black and White. And then you take the Black and White and use a special po- program called Pokemon Transfer and bring those into the bank. And then, of course, you can also transfer over Pokemon from X and Y, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, and Sun and Moon. That that and is that's wow. I have thousands upon thousands of Pokemon that I um, store for different for one reason or another. That I, is involved. 
I went through that whole process to get my Mew from uh, the Toys R Us that I stood in line for an hour for, mm-hmm. and I had the additional step of having to like get uh, get Mew off of my Pokemon box, which was the GameCube program that was only sold on the U.S. Nintendo Store. Yeah, I, I um, never got that. So. Uh, I, I'm glad I got that because that's about a $400 game now, or a $400 package now if you have it complete. Wow. And, yeah, I was surprised by that too, but it, apparently it was because it only came out, it was only available via the Nintendo store. So. Yeah, um, that makes sense. It's rare. This whole so. service is run by Nintendo? Yes, this is all run by Nintendo. Home is not out yet. Home will be coming out sometime next month, but they do have the Pokemon Bank right now, which is where I've been. You pay $5 a year. Home will be 15 though, I think. Yeah. Which, you know, it makes sense. Also, you'll no. be able to take Pokemon from Let's Go and Pokemon Go into home. So you can oh, wow. think it's not Pokemon. And the um, Pokemon from the uh, virtual console versions on the DS, too. Oh, yes, that's right, if you have those. Um, now, refresh my memory, because I've always been paranoid about this. If you let your subscription lapse on Pokemon Bank, will your dudes get deleted? I think there's some amount of time, I can't remember how much, that you do ha- that you can to transfer them out if you... But oh. I guess if you, like, haven't paid in a few months, I don't know what happened. Because I ended up transferring mine all to a cart, just because, knowing me, if I don't touch my DS for a couple of years, I didn't want to end up with an entire <laughs> living Pokedex deleted into the ether, including, yeah, I, uh... I, I think you're giving a limited amount of time, but I don't know how much that time is. And I'm concerned about that with the Pokemon, uh, this Pokemon Home stuff, too. That, well, I guess we'll see, because I don't think they've announced that yet. They'll probably discontinue the bank, though I'm not completely sure. I'm sure service will end for it eventually. Yes, since Home is out. But, okay, but aside from that, I've also, aside from Pokemon... I've also been doing another replay of Three Houses, specifically with my sister whenever she's over. Uh, so that's kind of a slow go. I'm having fun doing that. And I've uh, also, not surprisingly, been playing Chrono Trigger on the DS to refresh my memory on that game, since I've only played it once a couple of years back. And uh, just to sort of put on a little bow to our previous discussion, because I was just looking at the wiki... Uh, so Guile in Chrono Trigger, it says here, was meant to be Magus in disguise, and that was the case in Radical Dreamers, but it was scrapped because of plot difficulties. But the DS Chrono Trigger teases that Guile might be an amnesiac Magus. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. Maybe that makes it clear. Maybe that makes it more confusing. Uh, the old soap opera trip. Just give them amnesia. It'll be fine. <laughs> They'll figure it out. So, but yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on to, I do want to finish up this playthrough for Chrono Trigger so I can take on the Dream Devourer and then see what, there's plenty of games for me to, <laughs> I have quite the backlog, so I guess we'll see what I play next, but I might want to do a refresher for our next episode on a few games, I'll have to see where I can fit that in. Ah, uh, secret games like I'm playing. Yeah, but there's like three of them, one of them I think I don't have to redo because I replayed that I finished a replay of that game like two years ago and it's a short game, but the mm-hmm. other two not so much. I surprisingly got through secret game number two quicker than I anticipated, but uh, fast forward function on emulator kind of mm-hmm. helped with that. Yeah, that I can imagine. And I'm playing I'm currently going through secret game number three right now and I'm only on chapter three. There's a monkey involved. I'm curious oh, if anybody that... Yes, I'm, that, that I'm, I'm curious if anybody will ever 
you'll be able to guess what we're talking about, though. <laughs> don't you usually reveal the episode next time anyway? Mm, yeah, sure. Sometimes, not always. Yeah, uh, no. just depends on what mood we're in. Let's, yeah. let's keep it a surprise. Keep it <laughs> big, big surprise. Woo! And, uh, yeah, that's what's going on with me. Well, uh, as I mentioned, I did a review for Dawn. Well, Deep Look, I'm sorry. It's really hard to finish, like, get credits on a game like Dauntless. I'm not even sure it even has credits, so I did a Deep deep Look, which basically means I spent a lot of time with the game and then wrote my impressions on it. So you can go and check that out over at rpgamer.com. Um, and uh, continue to play lots of Iceborne, even though I did the review for that. Because Dating Habit is just so good, and there's so much good post-game content. And there's a reason why I kept putting it down for my game of the year. Well, that and I didn't play a whole lot of other games, so there wasn't a lot of competition. But, um, uh, man, that game is still so, so good. Uh, they got the appreciation event going on right now, so you can you can win all kinds of really cool stuff. I got my Gala outfit, and um, which is all nice and shiny. It looks like you're ready to go out and stun them with your tuxedo uh, while I walk around with a big drumstick on my back. That literally has, like, skin hanging off of it. It looks like... Have you ever been to Disney and get one of those big turkey drumsticks? They're so I've juicy. I've been to the Ren Fair and gotten uh, Same here at Ren Fair. Yeah, so juicy. Now just imagine it's, like, big enough to knock a monster out with. And now you've got the picture. It is so cool. So, um, very excited about my, about my drumstick. Well, now I'm hungry. Yeah. Well, and then they also have this... I, I think they're called guild weapons... And and the guild weapons, so there's 14 different weapons in Monster Hunter uh, Iceborne, and the guild version of the weapons are very powerful. They're uh, on the PC, they're perhaps, on the PC version, they're probably the most powerful at the moment. Uh, on the console, we've had Xena, uh, Jeeva, whatever call, come out since then. So, But anywho, the, they look great. And, and you've you heard me talk about Iceborne before. One of the very few little kind of like things that are kind of off is the fact that the weapons don't all look awesome. I would say only half of them kind of look even decent. Uh, but they, they, they obviously heard our complaints and added a whole swath of weapons that just look very classy. Just very nice. Very well designed. So could definitely, um, uh, could definitely recommend that. Uh, I'm playing a wizardry game that I'll be talking about probably on the next episode for CRPG Club, and uh, that'll spoil that one. Uh, I know everyone's just dying to hear about <laughs> wizardry, <laughs> the labyrinth of lost souls. <laughs> it's aptly named. <laughs> I laugh every time I say that name because yeah, it'll suck your. So anyway, um, and. I think that I, I think that's that's been pretty much it because I've been kind of busy too. Been doing a little bit of drawing again. I, I did get a new drawing tablet and an Apple pencil with some Christmas. Yeah, with some Christmas money that I had. So I've been farting around with both of those and kind of just yeah, kind of getting back into that hobby a little bit. I'm jealous of how smooth your lines are. Oh well, I don't know if I put this in the twitter feed but i had somebody else ask me that i had i had somebody else ask me that and i actually had a friend who's a professional illustrator um i i had asked him a question about how to do lines with vectors oh this is so off backtrack now but but and 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 the way he was answering like no no you don't understand see this is the way i do them and i was just wondering if you knew how to do this next step 
And he's like, what do you mean you do it that way? I, what, what is, what, how does that even work? Is that an option? And when I showed him how to do it, he's like, my mind is blown. I didn't know you could do that. And now he's like very excited. Every, every, I guess he's, he's one of my friends. So I talked to him like twice, three times a week. And I'm like, are you still using, it's called vector mat. So I use vector lines. I use the curve tool that's in clip studio pro. Um, mm-hmm. And, and the, the, you know, a lot of programs, drawing programs have curve tools, but the problem in the past for me has always been getting them to line up to make one big smooth curve. If you're drawing something complex, like a face mm-hmm. and uh, vector magnet is your answer to that. It, it automatically attaches vectors when you start a new vector close to an, at the end point of another one so that you basically and essentially get a nice long curvy, curvy line. And we're using a curve tool. There's no reason why you're thickness would ever be a, a problem as far as consistency goes so because it's a vector <laughs> you can make it as thick or as thin as you want to it's great yeah uh, I've, I've messed with that with the desktop version of clip studio paint which is really nice especially if um you're like me and you have shaky hands yeah yeah i'm, I'm the same way like i don't know how i've seen people draw on youtube with just their hand and doing curves around the body and with these pens that have these pressure sensitivities and still make the line i couldn't even do that with a real pen all my lines would always look janky and the thickness would go up and down based on the ink coming out mm-hmm. um and and you can force the computer to keep your lines kind of consistently thick of course you can do that turn off the pressure sensitivity um but um but that's not going to help my jankiness so yeah um i make heavy use of clip studio stable built-in stabilizer oh yeah uh, yeah that's pretty much the only way i can get smooth lines but like because like i said my hand's shaky and um like you i bought a tablet but it's a samsung they just have um a program called ibis paint which talks to clip studio paint and it's very much like clip studio paint but it's still missing some features Ah, well, uh, so I did do a YouTube video to show people how I do my lines. So Aww. if you follow me on YouTube or just follow my Twitter, because I, I, maybe I, I didn't link it on my Twitter. That would have been an oversight. Um, then, then, then you can see how I do what we're talking about. Uh, and, and yes, we are big fans, um, in my corner of the universe anyways, of Clip Studio Pro. It's like what? One tenth the price of Photoshop or whatever yep. it's called. And it's it's got what eighty percent of the functionality, ninety percent. I'm, I mean, there are some things that I miss, but I can kind of replicate in Clip Studio, and and it's fine. If I if I really need it, I can pop open an old version of Photoshop. But I I'm all for Clip Studio just because of how much cheaper and how much more user friendly it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I and 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 I use way and I still I still install on every computer. I have a, a program called Paint Shop Pro, which is from mm-hmm. like nineteen. It still uses like short file names. It's that old, but it's great for nowadays for like really quick uh, edits. But that's how I used to draw my comics back in the day. And Clip Studio, from what I understand, is the company. The company bought it out, and da, 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 and now this is the program that they that they, they they make, and it's really good. So I highly recommend it. Um, and on the iPad, I just started. Since I got the pencil finally invested eighty nine freaking dollars for a pencil, um, but uh, I'm using a drawing program on there, and now I forget what it's called, and my iPad doesn't want to turn on. Now it's being stubborn. Uh, Procreate. So oh yeah, I've heard, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's only ten bucks. I mean, whew, that's super cheap. I mean, I don't have my curve tool there, but I'm just what I'm doing that is I'm using that for storyboarding and and sketching. Um, d- dumb question: How much was your iPad? Uh, I got it on 
sale, it was like 300 Oh, wow. <laughs> I might have went the wrong way because I paid um, 500 for my Samsung Tab 6 because it was the only one. It was the only one that had the S Pen, but I'm Ooh. I'm used to Sam Samsung thing. But then I heard oh. the Clip Studio paints on the Apple, and it's like, well, crap. Oh but, well, keep in mind though, I did have to pay. I just bought the pen separately. Yeah, which was also so eighty bucks. There's so. another yeah after tax hundred bucks. So don't feel too bad there. Um, and this is like the lowest end model, um, yeah. so it has like not a lot of memory and stuff, but. But it works great for just drawing sketches and stuff and whatever. You don't, boys and girls, if you're just a hobbyist like I am uh, and you're kind of broke like I am, uh, you do not need the iPad Pro to draw. And you're just, right. yeah. Every watch, there's, I watched a lot. I did a lot of YouTube research. Um, you, you, you know, obviously, if you're a heavy hitter and you're doing 800 layers and the highest end programs, you, you probably could use the extra horsepower and screen space. But uh, this has been working for me for sketching and stuff and and then i do the i do the heavy work on the computer um yeah and as as a real quick aside um wacom recently came out with uh a cintiq one or i think it's it's a basic level cintiq that's only four hundred dollars which is the most affordable wacom's ever been with the cintiq to be honest with you Hmm. and that's a computer tablet and it's supposed to be for hobbyists Hmm. so there you go you're you're my yeah, your mileage may vary. I wanted a, ta- a tablet tablet because I wanted to be able to carry it around. Plus, I use my tablet for other things like YouTube videos and podcasts and all that. Yeah, exactly. I use but, I, That's exactly it. I use a tablet for exactly everything you just said. And then I use a drawing tablet that hooks up to my computer. But it's not a screen. It's just a... I've gotten used to the whole drawing a piece of plastic while I'm looking up at my monitor thing. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, Wacom One is what it's called with a 13-inch screen. Yeah. So, guys, uh, I, we kind of gotten off on a side here, but if this kind of conversation yeah. interests you, follow us on Twitter. What's your handle? Your um, Red Rock nine six three. Yeah, I can remember the numbers. And do I have uh, uh, strawberry eggs? Uh, berry eggs. Berry eggs. Okay, so at, apparently at berry eggs and wheels. I think is at ask wheels. Correct. And I'm at JC Servant, and our other co-host who couldn't be here is at Jumason. But look us all up. Of course, you can always hit us up at RP Gamer as well. In the post edit here, uh, and listening to some of this, we had some technical issues that caused some crackling and some volumes going up and down. So if you've hung on this long, uh, I apologize. Thank you for hanging in there. We try to catch that as it happens, but uh, it sometimes sneaks in. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, usually Mike would have something witty to put us off to bed with and said, uh, it's just us and me. So I'm going to tell you, don't make a mistake that you're going to regret and find some way to go back into the past and, and buy these games. You can do it right now. You don't have to build a time machine and change history. You can play Chrono Cross and Chrono Trigger. There's a variety of ways to do that. So get out there, and if you've missed out on this, make up for the past today. Thank you very much, and have a good night. What's this thing? It's in that shape, but it looks like a humanoid robot. Incredible. Hmm. I think I can fix it. What? Fix it? What if it attacks us like the other ones? I'll make sure it won't. Robots don't attack of their own free will, you know? They only do it because humans make them that way. Luca, you really feel for them, don't you? I'd better get to work.
fudge. All right, that should do it. I'm going to give it some juice. Um, good morning. Good, good morning, mistress. What is your command? Uh, I'm not your mistress. I'm Moral. This is Chrono, and that's Luca, the one who fixed you. Understood. Madam Luca restored my service. Just Luca will do. Speech may offend, can't reach for that end. My programming won't let me try. It's formal, I'm told, but I will uphold as number R six six Y. Well, some of us don't like it when people are so formal all the time, isn't that right, Mara? R six six Y, eh? Cool, cool. What are you talking about? That won't do at all. Come on, Chrono. Let's give him a better name. Uh, uh, what about Robo? Robo? Really? That sounds perfect. Your new name is Robo. Okay? Robo's my name. It's a brand new day. What's happened while I've been away? This world is a mess, but I'll do my best to make everything okay. The last thing I knew. I've lost all my memory banks, but regardless of that, you've all helped me out. So thanks. If no one is left, I still will protect humans and others like me. We walked you through time, my homes we will find, and then we'll save history. Soldier on, assistance I will provide. I'll never give up. Home and safety we shall find. The factory to the north contains an emergency power generator for this dome. I can bypass security to activate it. Shall we go there? You do that for us? You repaired me. Now it is my turn to be of assistance. 